my dad had us over for dinner the other night and um we're sitting there and my girlfriend was here and my dad was here and you know i was i started tearing up I, it gets emotional because like i look back and i'm like who who like i don't even know who i was that means i'm moving i made a few mistakes but i'm improving i'm human but i've been making daily resolutions i got to you might do it different, but I'm not you. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. All right, welcome to another episode of Hey, Mark, the podcast where I, Mark, like to have open and authentic conversations about the things that fucking suck in life, the things that we struggle with, the things that we go through, some of the shitty things that maybe are going to be tough to kind of talk about or navigate through. You know, the reason I'm doing this is because I want to open up the conversation around things that might be stigmatized things that we hate talking about, things that we don't want to reach out for help for, and basically just end, you know, the idea of suffering in silence. And so sometimes I like to just go on a little rant by myself, talk to my phone, but sometimes I'm blessed enough to be able to have another perspective as well. And so today I'm sitting here with Aaron and uh, I'll kind of let you introduce yourself and just kind of, you know, tell people like who you are, what you're all about, and uh, I guess where they can find you on social media if you want to plug that as well, but for sure, kind of just give yourself a little introduction and, and tell people who you are and what you're about, man. Yeah, hey, I'm Aaron. I'm an al alcoholic and an addict. You know, um, my story, it, it's uh, pretty, pretty deep. You know, like uh, growing up, I, ha I grew up with a, a, a mom and a dad, um, and a, we were pretty happy, and I also grew up with our older brother, and you know, like every every aspect of my life you know like it felt like from the very start you know like my family always favored my brother and you know i was always left in the behind scenes but you know and also like my parents were always fighting a lot and you know it, it hurt you know it hurt a lot like uh growing up and saying that you know it's never really uh pleasant right like it, it hurts to uh do it right and my brother played hockey and you know, so that always took, and I was just, uh, my mom always loved me, right? And that's what, what helped me a lot. Like, it really helped me, like, cope with it and, like, understand that, you know, I wasn't alone, that my mom, regardless, would always love me, you know, like, that motherly love, right? Like, 100%. Well, and it also probably gives you, like, a, like, for the events coming up in your life, it probably gives you, like, a reason beyond yourself to continue fighting, to continue going. Yeah. Right? Like, when you feel, like, some love from the outsider, when you get like uh i guess like support early on you, you kind of almost want to like pay it back to that person exactly and like i'll just continue on with the story Sorry. Like, <laughs> no it's okay mark um so basically like you know my brother always got stuff that i never got and he always had more stuff than me so that was always like you know we were always like battling right like it was always like just a constant battle like because I wanted my dad's attention, but he would always give it to my brother. Like my mom would always take me to lacrosse. Like my dad would always take my brother to hockey. Anyways, uh, it turns out like my mom and dad just kept on fighting and the relationship wasn't working out, right? So mm -hmm. like at that point they split up and you know, now I'm going into like uh, high school, you know, I'm going into high school without like a mom, you know, and I stopped talking to my mom for like three years, right? Because it just, um, it hurt, man. Like having a separation in your parents, it's just fucking hard. Excuse my language, but like, no, it's, all good, it's like the hard, it's like the hardest thing, you know, it's like, I, I, I didn't know what to do. And my mom like gave me an option to like go live with her, but like I never did, you know, and that was uh, probably should have, 
you know, like I, I should have gone and lived with my mom, but I made that mistake, you know, and that was where my problem first started, you know. So let's go into high school, like I was getting bullied and like, um, you know, my speech impediment, it didn't help, right? Like mm. the speech impediment, like my lisp, it didn't help, you know, kids were always like, even if they were just joking, you know, like that shit hurts, man. And like, it builds up, right? Like, and like it just like, I felt different than every, everyone else. You know, I was slower learner. I was like everything, you know? So even starting there, like, you know, you can already see a problem starting, right? And like, so let's, uh, started smoking weed. Mm. And as soon as I first started smoking weed, you know, it was like an instant relief from all the pain that I've been through in my life. Like nothing else mattered. Like it just instant, like I knew there was a problem because like every time I would smoke, I couldn't smoke one. I would smoke more than one. You know, yeah. I couldn't stop. I was stoned Two all joints, day. three joints and you're baked all day. Yeah. Fuck, like not even caring about school Breaking anymore. Bake, yeah. yeah. Everything. Like it just became like a problem. And like, you know, like my dad would always tell me like, Hey, like, you know, I think you have a problem. And I'm like, no, like I'm fine. Like anyways, like the fucking shed's a mess. Everything's a mess. My whole life's a mess. Like teachers are calling like what's going on like it, it, it was a problem like you know like i'm one of those guys that i can't just have one i gotta have more than one you know i started skipping school and then come like grade 10 or grade 9 i started doing cocaine and wow. you know like right away like i was in the party crowd at that point like going to uh i'm not gonna mention any names but going to a buddy's house and like a party house and like doing coke and you know not not only that i started driving yeah. You know, I started raving and I was like, not even 19 yet, man. Like I was like 16 when I started doing coke and then like started going to raves and partying and started doing Molly. And, you know, as soon as I found that coke, you know, it was quite a big problem, you know, yeah. like huge problem. Yeah. Like everything just started to take off. Like I... I, I, I got away with not doing coke for a while once I um, just stopped, like, because I still had weed, right? And I was trying to hide it, and you know how that is, right? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's kind of difficult. But I started to rave, and, you know, at this point, it was more about the M than the coke, right? Like, I was, it would be every weekend I would go to a rave and I would party. And anyways, I, I was, like, 19 or 18 at this point of my life, and... um. I was with a bunch of friends at a rave and, you know, one of the guys popped like three pills and I'm like, you know, I got three horse pills, right? I don't know how much that is or whatever. And, you know, I took it and I was in the lineup and all I remember is like a curtain of like black, like this closing and like, it was like scary. Like it was like, I, 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 I seen the gates of heaven just like closing and like I was fucking dying. Like it was closing in and closing in and next thing i knew like it was just black and i remember it fading in and out and i went because i didn't want to get caught by the cops it was always like a paranoia for me i was always running from the cops or whatever i don't know why but <laughs> it was just constantly so i'm behind a cop car and this guy's like hey man like are you in the same shit i'm on and i'm like man like i don't even want to talk to you i'm fucking dying yeah you're like, in your I'm, own head you're like i'm, Fuck I'm off, dying man. like i don't even remember like i just remember saying that and then anyways it's just black again and apparently like girls were in the line of like cleaning my lips up and stuff because i bit through my lip and he did like 13 stitches in my bottom Holy lip shit. yeah and so 
I took off, apparently. Like, no one could find me. Like, I was gone. And apparently, like, the thing that saved my life that night at the Pacific Coliseum is a security guard found me in a bush. Like, like, this hiding. I don't even remember what. But anyways, he took me to first aid and, like, they called my parents and they're like, hey, like, you might want to come see your son. Like, he, he's had an overdose. Like, he's in rough yeah. shit. So... What a good guy, man. Yeah. So many people would just fucking you know, walk right like, past. And, like, the crazy thing about... Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, people were, like, making fun of me almost. You know? Yeah. And I, I was, That's what I mean. Yeah. People would be like, what the fuck? What junkie? What an yeah. idiot? And, like, you know, it's knowing that rage that, you know, we pop Molly. And it's just, like, dangerous. You know? Like, people think it's okay to go to a rave and pop this stuff. But, like... You know, or they're like, oh, if I only do it at the rave, I never do it in real life. Exactly. I'm not a drug addict. Yeah, but it's still like it affects like you don't know like you know your parents probably will get that call saying your son's fucking gonna die. Yeah, you know, and it's harsh. Like I've been through it, and like so let's let's get back to it, man. Like I went into the hospital, they rushed me, or anyways, the first aid medic was like. Like, Aaron, like, are you here? And, like, I remember, like, Aaron, like, and then I would fade out. And then she, she anyways, I got to a point where I somehow gave her my dad's phone number. Mm. So my dad was in, going to the hospital and the, the ambulance people in the ambulance were making fun of me. Like, oh, let's go to a rave tonight. Let's do this. Let's do that. And, uh, you know, when, when you're overdosing, those, the, the, the people don't take care of you. They don't care. It's just like another drug addict, you know? Yeah, so and they desensitized to it too, right? They see it all the time. And they're like, fuck, why do people keep doing this? Mm-hmm. But they don't understand the mindset that gets you there. But mm-hmm. keep going, sorry. So anyways, I get to the hospital, man. And I'm just like full blown. Like, I don't even know what the word is to describe it. Like my heart's going at like 185 beats per minute. Like 185, like five more, 190, you know, your, your oxygen starts cutting off to your brain. Yeah, and you know, like you, you, you either become like you either have a heart attack or, or you um become like, a, uh, like a vegetable. Like yeah. there's no life, you know. And like, my mom, I just remember her like her facial expression, you know, just like oh my god, like like, and like it was the first time my dad met like my mom's boyfriend, so that was kind of like it was pretty fucking rough because like I was in the shape I was in, and like. Like, I just didn't want any arguing, you know? So I just immediately blacked out again. That, that this is what I can recall. Like, it is like so much stress. Yeah, I just like blacked out again. Like, don't remember. And then I woke up and, and, um, all I remember the next time I woke up after that part, um, I remember my dad and the doctor talking and like the doctor saying, yeah, he's gonna need 13 stitches in his lip. And my dad saying, no, like, he's already had enough pain for tonight. Like, this, don't do it and I'm like dad like don't worry just let him do it like I don't feel anything anyways just let him do it so yeah man like that was my experience with the rave like in it was like 19 you know I was like 19 at the time and you know you think that would stop someone from like doing more drugs right yeah yeah it didn't stop me it didn't stop me things just got worse you know I uh later on in my like i just started smoking weed after that for a while and you know and then i met a girl and you know we started dating and you know everything was all good and whatever for the first like year or two and i was smoking weed and then you know an addict being an addict i guess right just 
you know, I, I got this urge, like, shit started to go bad in the relationship. So I'm like, fuck it, like, I'll just pick up some coke, you know? And I started hanging around that bad crowd, like, that bad crowd again. And next thing I knew, I was finding myself, like, every day, like, doing coke, every second day doing coke, like, getting coke at home, playing video games, just, like, becoming a total, like, I started to lose and like I started to forget who I was, you know, yeah. and we would go to the house. My girlfriend would be there. We would be in the washroom doing lines of coke. You know, I'd be getting drunk, you know, I'd be coming home and she'd be like, Are you, did you do coke? And I was like, no, like, you know, I remember driving home in my car, like not even remembering how I got home. Like it was pretty Fuck. bad and, you know, started doing mushrooms and, you know, all that just resulted in much more damage. Like it ended like. You know, my girlfriend, I knew stuff with my ex-girlfriend, stuff wasn't going good, man. Like stuff was going so bad. Like we dated for like four or five years and you know, everything just started to go down like cause of my addiction. Like mm. it was to the point, like I missed her birthday to this cause I was getting high on coke. You know, I missed her birthday and you know, we just started arguing more and I knew like I had a problem. Like yeah. I had, I had a big problem and my life was unmanageable, you know, I wasn't able to be employed, like, I had jobs left, right, and center, and, you know, it was more important for me to go out and get loaded, or call in sick, you know, I couldn't hold down a job longer than a week, you know, that was a problem, after a week, I was, like, calling in sick, you know, I was doing all that kind of stuff, and yeah. so, um, anyways, I knew there was a problem, and I knew I needed to fix my relationship, you know, so I, uh, I, I actually, I called my mom one day and I'm like, you know, like, I need help. I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to die if I don't get help. Mm -hmm. So later that day, like her and her uh, uh, boyfriend came and they picked me up and they took me for a drive down to the east side saying like, this is what your life's going to be like if you continue going on, on the path that you're going. You know, like at this point, man, I'm in debt, like, like $16,000, like all blowing on coke and like hookers and like. You know, this is the total fucking scumbag at this point, you know, like Jeez. this totally going down like my life, like, and I have a friend in the program, like I'm continue, like I kept on going to NA meetings, like Narcotics Anonymous meetings. And I, I thought that was going to help me. Like, I thought that was going to help me, you know, every Monday, that's my home group. I kept on going back like every Monday who's coming back. You know, I would always putting up my hand, like I was consistent, but I didn't have a solution. Mm -hmm. And so I kept on, so we took a drive downtown to Hastings and they're telling me this is what my life's going to be like. And, you know, I'm thinking bullshit. My life won't ever get like this. So detox is right there. Like my, uh, uh, Harvard light detox. So I needed help. And I'm like, they're like, there's the door. Like, if you want to go get help, go and get it. So I go ring the doorbell and like, anyways, we talk and. You know, at this point, I'm smoking a little bit of meth too, eh? Like, I'm smoking a little bit of meth because I'm, I'm so far gone. But it was only once in a while. How did you kind of transition into that? That's um, it's a big trans jump, man. Transition into it, you know, like, the coke. You don't have to get, like, too detailed. Yeah, but the coke wasn't just... getting me high anymore. Like, okay. my nose was all plugged. Like, I needed something to numb how I was feeling. Like, okay. numb how I was feeling and, like... You know, my nose wasn't like, I couldn't snort anymore. Like my nose was fucked. So I actually started doing meth and you know, the Coke wasn't working cause it was doing it so frequently that it just, 
the high wasn't the same anymore. You mm -hmm. know, it was like, you know, I told just like, using it to this, feel normal. Yeah, using it to yeah, exactly. And like that was a crazy thing. Like when I was using the meth, it was like not as bad as the coke. Like the high for me. But I felt normal, like in the come down of coke, like when you would wake up the next day, I would wake up the next day, sorry, I would feel depressed, I would feel like suicidal, like I wanted to kill myself, like I hated myself, like literally, like I, I fucking hated myself, man, like several psych word visits, like just like going fucking stir crazy, but when I smoked meth, no problem, like I would wake up, it would be like, I was fine, like it was a different kind of like hot. That's crazy. Anyway, so I go into detox and they're like, hey, can you come tomorrow at 12? So I show up tomorrow at 12 and I'm doing great, man. Like everything's going good and, you know, um, everything's going great. I get through detox and I'm going into treatment now. Like I wanted to go to TWC together. We can or it was Harbor Light, but I knew people at Harbor Light already. So... I'm like, you know what, like my friend's telling me, hey man, like my friend, he's like, if you're gonna go there, you're gonna end up on the streets. And you know, this guy has called everything in my life that's been through it, he's called everything. He's seen me go from like here to like here. And so anyways, I'm like, nah, you don't know what you're talking about. So I do what I wanna do and I, I go to Harbor Light. And you know, it's like people, it's like a pretty big building down there, it's Harbor Light and like, so there's like jail people on the like third floor and there's like treatment people on the second and there's or, or on the fourth jail third is like treatment and second is like detox and first is like the cafeteria and like everything was going great like i was helping out in the food line helping out the homeless people like doing the do like i felt good but you know i got into the wrong crowd you know mm -hmm. i started to hang around people fresh out of jail like like they were, and they, we had, they had a curfew at like six o'clock. So they started paying me money to run out, run errands and shit, run out to the strip of Hastings and like grab them crack and come back. And like, I was hanging out with them. And you know, if you're, you sit in the barber shop long enough, you're going to get a haircut, right? Like, Fuck. you know what, yeah, I, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so. <laughs> I sat in the barber shop long enough, man, and I. They're yeah, like, it's your turn to sit yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. So, I ran, ran out, got it. I lasted like fucking. I was in deep, like in in treatment for like, not even a month, man. Like I think, maybe a month or whatever. And, anyways, I started smoking crack. Fuck. And, you know, I thought, hey, you know, there's not gonna be a piss test for a couple of maybe like a week or two because the whole time in there it was on a piss test so i'm like hmm, can probably get away with it so anyways the next fucking morning i wake up and there's a piss test fuck so yeah man at this point i'm like shit like my parents aren't probably gonna take me back yeah like, you're out of there i'm i'm on hastings street you know like so I just tell the truth and I'm like, Hey, you know, I, I used, so they got me a spot across the street. It's the beacon shelter on Hastings, man, right away. As soon as I go out, as soon as I get kicked out, I immediately, I know this guy across the street, like he's in the shelter cause he left. And anyways, I'm like, Hey, you got meth. 
and he's like, yeah. And he's like, you want to try hair? He's like, I don't know if he asked me. I'm like, you got heroin too? And he's like, because I was so fucking depressed, man. Like, my relationship was going to shit. I had nothing in my life. You know, my my dad didn't want to, like, have... Because I was so fucked up. Like, why would he want me back kind of thing? Mm. You know, my mom couldn't bring me in. You know, you can't carry the addict at this point, right? Like, I'm so far gone. I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. And so we go to the alley and I smoke a mix of heroin and uh, or fentanyl, they call it now, and, and meth. And next thing I know, man, like, I don't even care that I'm living in a shelter. <laughs> you know, like, I'm homeless at this point. Like... You know, and so, you know, a couple of days goes by, you know, my mom comes by and, and, you know, I see her at the, she comes and takes me for dinner and a drive and everything's good. And, um, she leaves, she, uh, she's about to leave. I'm like, Hey ma, can I grab like 20 bucks off you? Like, you know, she's like, yeah, for sure. And, you know, being the nice mom that she is, you know, you know, I feel fucking still to this day, man. Like I feel shitty. Like, you know, I. Took that 20 bucks, I went to the alley, and I bought some heroin or fentanyl off a dealer I've never seen. And I'm smoking it in my, um, in the bathroom at the, um, shelter. And next thing I know, I'm smoking it and I just fucking drop. Like, like, I don't even remember it. Like, I'm, luckily it was like 6 in the morning and I woke up because I knew I was able to go out at like 7 score and score more. So I wake up at six, uh, 6 o'clock. And I go in the washroom and I'm smoking fentanyl and I just hit the floor, like just dead, like just drop blue and green, blue and whatever the colors you want to say a dead person is, man. And good thing there was a guy beside me and I was dead. Like in a stall? Yeah. He fucking runs out. I'm like dead on the ground for like, I think it was like five minutes, man. Like I was just dead. So next thing I know, I, I don't remember anything. This is what I've been told. So people are running to me like the people in the in the uh, shelter and they're narcanning me like you know they narcan me three times and i was still like non-responsive like dead and the girl is like you know like normally they only give you three narcans because the fourth like it's not going to do anything really but the girl is like hey this guy's a younger guy like i wasn't good like i look like this i do now but a little bit strong like rougher right but she's like, let's give him a fourth shot. Like, and yeah, like his body happens. might be able to take it. Yeah, let's just give it. But like, we doubt it's going to work. So they ran across the daughter shelter, grabbed more Narcan because they were out of Narcan. And they Narcan me for the fourth time. And I came to. And like, as yeah. soon as I came to, like, my butt, like my glutes or whatever you call it, my ass was like tingling. Like, I didn't know what the fuck happened. Like. I was just gone, like, from life. Like, my life, like, flashed in front of my eyes. I was gone. I woke up to, like, tinging. And I'm, like, woke up with, like, seven people around me. I'm, like, paramedics there. I'm, like, what happened? And they're, like, you died. And you came back. And I'm, like, at that point, like, I don't think it would be normal if I didn't cry. I fucking bawled my eyes out, man. Like, you know, I was, like, that's, like, fucked. That's fucked, you know? So... They take me to the hospital because you can have a prolonged relapse or no, a prolonged uh, overdose or something like that. So they took me to the hospital and, you know, like I was there until like three o'clock. I was went there at like seven o'clock or whenever they got me there and I got out at like three. And, you know, a normal person would be like, okay, I'm going to quit this stuff. 
but my my you know you just have an overdose you're you're you fucking die what do i do i go out and i get more yeah you, know? you think that was your rock bottom yeah like, okay i'm done with it yeah so i died yeah mm-hmm. i go out and i get more Fuck. you know so then i go back to the shelter and they're like they're talking to me and they're like hey you gotta get back in the detox you know like y- you need help like at this point i'm like i'm doing the hasting shuffle so like it's when you're like your back so like your your muscles in your back start going yeah so i was literally walking around hastings like a total like addict man like you know i never thought my life would get to this point and it just gets worse man like so i go back in the detox i see my mom and like i think it was the hardest thing to tell my mom like when i had a visit with her that like hey like i i died off that 20 bucks you gave me you know that was the 20 bucks that like almost killed me so anyways like life's going pretty good i'm getting sober again and you know i decide like i'm gonna go back to teed up this time yeah you know i'm gonna go back to teed up so uh teed up actually gets me in pretty quick this that's time. the other detox teed up, uh, together we can no i go back to harbor light oh, okay, like okay the detox at harbor light like i got kicked out of the treatment center for using and then I went to the shelter and then I had my overdose at this point. Yeah. And then I go back to uh, oh, um, Harbor Light Detox. Yes. Um, and then you went to a different shelter. No, and then I went to a treatment center. Oh, okay, okay. Like okay. I went to a Together We Can. Okay. Um, so at this point, I go to Together We Can. Um, the first couple of days, um, I'm talking with my girlfriend at the time and uh, she dumps me. Fuck. Yeah. When I'm trying to get well yeah so you already know where this is probably gonna go yeah. you know i'm angry i'm restless i'm discontent like i'm you're like here i am trying to make myself finally i'm trying to make myself better and now you fucking leave yeah so i'm like all right like like anyways i'm just trying to put it behind me put it behind me i'm working the steps i'm so fucking like i'm on methadone at this point like i i'm on like antidepressants i'm on this like it was to the point like i was in group and i was like nodding off like i couldn't even stay awake like i was like just drugged just up. like drugged up so i'm on methadone um anyways i'm doing all right and there's this guy he's like always like fucking picking on me and doing this and doing that so next thing i know one night it's like 10 o'clock at night and he has the i don't know what it was about i'm not even gonna start to say because i totally forget but he, we, I think it was over a fan or something. He charges down at me from the bunk bed and he swings and he like clips my nose. And I fucking just like, you know, I really have all this anger and depression in me. So like, really? So then I just start going at him and I take him down and I'm beating on him. And the next thing I know, like three big guys come in and like tear me off him. And I'm like, hey, like he hit me first. Like I'm defending myself. Anyways, the next morning, they tell me, hey, you gotta pack your bags. You're uh, you're out of here. Like oh. so, at this point, I'm like, call my dad again. I'm like, hey, I'm kicked out. Can I come home? No, because you want him to complete a program or get better. Because like, who's gonna trust a guy like this shape in the house? You know, yeah. like, anyway. So, they get me a spot at a a youth shelter, like on on on. It's close to Hastings it's by like um Victory Square I think that's where their memory remembrance day services are yeah. or whatever yeah so I'm at the I don't remember the shelter it's uh it's down there though um 
Covington House. That's what it's called. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, the Covington okay, yeah. Health Youth Shelter. So, the first thing I do when they drop me off, they needed to get some papers or whatnot. So, you know, there's a no drug policy there, right? So, the first thing I do, I leave my stuff there. I go down to the strip. I fucking grab a bunch of meth. Um, I'm trading cigarette packs at this point for, for meth. You know, like, you know, and it's pretty, like, sketchy. You know, I was hitting, I was trading them, and some people I'd, like, give a couple of smokes to and ask for a hit. So I was, like, not only, like, getting high, but at this point, I'm risking getting hep C. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and like, if you were to ask me back then, like, what am I doing? I would have said, I don't know. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. So anyways, I get high, and I'm, like, high as a kite. So, and, and, like, I can maintain myself when I'm high. So, like, like I can talk. I can, you know, I'm functionable. Like, not functionable. I can't work yeah. or do any of that stuff. But I can, like, hold a conversation when I'm high on meth. So I go back to the shelter, and I, I get the bed, and I get everything. I pass the tests or whatever, and I get the bed. And, you know, I think it was welfare day. So I get, like... Next thing I know, man, like I, I get, I get money. Obviously, I'm a fucking drug addict. <laughs> so yeah. I'm in the, I'm in the, I, I go down to the Hastings. I'm getting heroin. I'm getting a fentanyl, and I'm get or fentanyl, and I'm getting a meth. And I'm, 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 I'm literally have a bag of meth, and I have three roommates. And and there's like the the bathroom door. It wasn't closed. It had like air, like a space on the bottom, and like. Like, uh, you could see through up here, and it was, like, a door down here, and then it so was, it just like... blocks your body, basically. Yeah, it blocks your body, and you know what, man? Like, I was literally fucking smoking dope through the fan, blowing it up, and my roommate's like, man, I can smell that stuff, and I'm like, oh, it's just, you know, it's okay. Like, it's just, uh... Well, he's like, I know what you're doing, and I'm like, okay. Anyway, so, it's all good. I'm still doing that, like, for days on days on days, and, you know, it got to a point where... Um, where eventually quarantine hit. So, so this is like last year now. Yeah, last year I'm 23 years old. I'm on the in, in a youth shelter. Quarantine hits, and um, I get quarantined because I, I I have like a whatever. I'm feeling sick. It wasn't Corona or anything like. Yeah. And this other guy gets quarantined. So we come up with a plan. So he, I'm like, hey, man, like, I convince him to go to the hospital. And then he comes back and, like, grab meth on the way back. And he does. He grabs weed and he grabs meth and he comes back. So we're... You guys, like, devise this little yeah, plan. We're, yeah, we devise the plan. Like, we're, we're smart people, man. Like, so he comes back with meth and, like, weed. And it's like, holy fuck. Like, it's like heyday. Like... You're like, and, I'm and quarantined in here with drugs. Yeah, no this one's is... coming in. Yeah. Like, they're only going to bring food to the door, drop it, and then we grab it. So, we're, like, smoking cigarettes in the room and, like, dude, through the fan, like, we're blowing it up. Fuck. Anyways, man, so everything, all of a sudden, he was no longer able to do that. Everything was gone. And I got out of quarantine. I, I started to actually, um, I was clean, like... This is the longest clean time I've had, but, you know, I think it was, like, two months or however long I lasted. I stayed clean. Like, like, the stuff, it was hard, man. Like, I was trying to, like, go get my welfare check and, like, convince them, like, I'm just going to go get my welfare check and I'm going to come back. And score on the way home. Yeah, but I was actually going to 
go and score it, but they said no, we're gonna get it sent here. So I was like, fuck, man. Like at this fuck. point, I was like, they're catching on. Yeah. Anyways, man. So yo, hold up, hold up. Sorry to interrupt this, but we gotta have a message from our. No, I'm just joking. I just have to piss. <laughs> hold up, one sec. Sorry to interrupt, you, man. You can edit that out, eh? No, I'm just gonna leave it. I don't care. <laughs> Actually? Yeah, I don't care. You can say shit right now if you like. No, you're gonna edit it out. You don't think that was funny? All right, sorry, I rudely interrupted, but we can edit that out or you can try and start. If you can start it from like wherever you were, I'll edit it out, but I don't feel like you have to like start from that sentence. Yeah, so I was, uh, I was actually, um, I was, so I was quarantined. Um, we couldn't go out. Like we were just hanging out in the Covington house. Like, and you know, like, Anyways, I, I started getting a little racist, you know, I was going through withdrawal, so I was- When you're quarantined with this guy? No, 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 after. Like, oh, we were all like, we couldn't go out, we couldn't leave. I got out of, I got out, okay, I should say it right. I got out of quarantine, and now we were with the rest of the group, and there was like, probably like 20-something guys in there, and yeah, I started uh, getting a little bit racist to this one guy, and you know, um, was it because like other people were doing it like around you? Or? No, 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 not even. Like everyone was sober there. Like, and anyways, I started to get uh, racist to this one guy. And, you know, I got warned that if I do it again, I'll get kicked out. So anyways, I am um, actually before that, like I, uh, let's back up a little bit. I forgot one part. I was actually on Hastings at the time when we were able to go out. So like second quarantine ends, you finish your heyday and you're like, all right, now I can get out into the yeah. world. So I get out in the world. No, we're still like, like this is before quarantine, like before we go into full on lockdown. Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm actually, so I go out and I have a bunch of money. So I get a bunch of crack and I smoked one hit of it and I, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go back and that will be that. Like I'll go and I'll smoke it when I get home or I'll go out just to show them that I'm here. So I get home and they're like, hey Aaron, we wanna talk to you. And I'm like, fuck, like I, I don't know what's going on. So I have like fucking like $80 worth of crack in my pockets, like not thinking anything's gonna happen. And so they come into the office and they're like, empty your pockets. And I'm like, I'm trying to think of a way to like sneak it into my like, you know, sneak it into my pants somehow. Cause I didn't want to lose that man. Like, you know, like, so anyways, they found the crack on me and they took it away. And so every time I came in after that, I was like hiding stuff in my shoes, like beneath the heels, like just trying to be sneaky. Like, and I was coming in with like meth and like, I would put my pipe in my shoes, <laughs> you know? Cause yeah. he didn't check my shoes. Yeah. But I don't know, it didn't happen again. Like every time I came in, like I just felt weird because I knew I was like suspicious, you know? Like I knew they were gonna figure it out eventually. But anyways, so that that was the part I missed. Now, 
and we traced us to that one guy. I got warned, and so this other guy kicked a soccer ball at me, and like, it like, I don't know what he was doing, man, but I just fucking flipped and lost my stuff on the guy because like, you know, you're you're brought up and you're taught like to kind of, I was brought up with a lot of respect, eh? Like, if I wasn't like, I was fucking like strapped, right? Or like whatever, like this discipline, right? Like I, it was big in my family, like have discipline and have respect for each other. And like this guy kicks the soccer ball at me and I, he's from another country and I lose my shit on him. Like I just totally like blow up on him at this point. And you know, he's an MMA fighter and I'm an MMA fighter, so I'm ready to go. I'm like ready. Like, I'm like, okay, let's go, man. Like you wanna go and I, I called him out. I'm not gonna say it live on camera, but I call him a racist name. Yeah. That's my second strike. Yeah. I'm gone. Anyways, they kicked me out again, you know? And at this point I'm like, great. Like I'm, 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 I'm kicked out, you know? I was kicked so out of the So I've been now. kicked out of Harbor Light. I've been kicked out of TWC. Now I've been kicked out of Covington House. Like, yeah. like what what kind of, you know? So anyways, I, I, get, I have my welfare check, but I have no IDs. And like, I wasn't smart enough to like figure out a way to like cash it or like, I didn't, cause I didn't have IDs. I tried to cash and they're like, you need IDs. And you know, so I was sober. I was literally after the Covington House, I went to the Union Gospel Mission Yeah. and you know, I couldn't, I wasn't high, I had nothing, I wasn't drunk, I had nothing, like, I was absolutely, like, defeated, like, I had no solution in my mind how to get more, so I was literally sitting outside, waiting, because it opened at, like, 9 o'clock at night, that's when you checked in, so I was literally, like, just sitting out there, and, you know, I didn't know what to do, like, at this point, I'm like, you know, what's the point in me living, like, you know, you can't even get drugs. Your family doesn't want to talk to you. Your family doesn't want to help you out. You know, you've caused all this shit. So I text my mom and I basically say, hey, like, you know, I'm going to commit suicide tonight or tomorrow if you don't come and get me, you know? So I play that game. And the next morning, because they let us out at like 8.30 the next morning or whatever. So I get out and it's fucking pouring rain. Excuse my F words, by the way. It's all good, um, man. I swear all the time. Yeah. It's all good. So I'm sitting, it's raining out. And I'm like, great. Like, I have nothing. Like, I'm literally going to be sitting down here with no ID, nothing. So I, uh, there's a Wi-Fi spot. And I get this call. And I didn't even have a phone plan at this time. I was on, like, text now or whatever. Yeah. And so I get a phone call. And it's the cop. It's a cop saying, um... I'm with your mom and your stepdad and we're looking for you. Where are you? They pinned my phone and they came down and they like, uh, lights were on and they're like, Hey, like, we're going to take you to the psych board. Like, that's what your mom wants you to do. And I'm like, no, I'm not going. Yeah. Cause you threatened like, suicide. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not, not going. Like, I think if you were in my shoes, like, this is what I said to the cop. Like, I think if you were in my shoes at this point and you felt how I do when no one wants to help you, you have nothing to live for. Like, it's natural. Like when you're so like far gone in your life and like no one's helping you. Like, I think it's a normal feeling. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's either the feeling of like, 
would anybody even miss me? Or it's also the feeling of like, I feel like people would be better off without me. Like all I'm doing is just poisoning everyone around me. Exactly. I felt like that, man. Yeah. 100%. So that's like, that. You, you banged on it, man. Like that's how I felt. Like, like life would almost be better without me. You yeah. know, like that's how I felt at that point. So the cop, like we figured out like, cause I was sober at that time, but like. I, because you couldn't score at yeah, all. Yeah, I right? couldn't score. So the cops like, like, hey, like, you know, you, you don't even look like you belong down here. Like, you know, if, and then the cops said to my mom, like, hey, like, if you leave him down here, he's gonna get like, he's gonna be like one of these guys who's like just so far gone. Like, now is the time to get him out. So like, anyways, I stay on a guy's, my mom plans with and my stepdad, I stay at a, a friend's house from the program. He, he has like 10 years at the time. And so I stayed on his couch for two weeks and um, stayed sober, was happy. And my stepdad and my mom found me a place. And, you know, the cops ended up letting my mom take me and they took me back to Richmond. I stayed on the couch at a friend's house from the program AAA and Alcoholics Anonymous, if you guys don't know. And I got my own place and, you know, I, it was a one bedroom and like a bunch of like people and there like four people I think or five people it was like just a shared accommodation and you know I um I had money and I got my mom when they got me my we went with my I went with my mom and we got my IDs and you know you think I'd stay sober but as soon as I had money and I had my IDs I had money you know that's my biggest thing today like money's pretty scary to have like i don't know how to maintain it i don't know how to keep it so i got on the sky train without even knowing like it's like when you're in your own when you're in your car a lot of people probably can relate and it's like you're driving yourself to your dealers and you don't even know like it's like it's scary so yeah, i'm on the sky train i know i should be making a phone call saying all right i'm gonna pick up i'm going to hastings again after i've almost died i've lost my life you know i'm fucking gonna die again Something's gonna happen, you know, why am I doing this? So I go and I pick up fentanyl and I pick up meth and I come back and I use it. Fuck. So let the gates begin, let the games begin all over again. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. How yeah. did this fucking happen after my life started to get good? And you know, here I am hurting my mom again yeah. and my family. Like, yeah. like I'm living, but I'm not existing at this point. I'm, I'm gone. Like again, I'm gone. Like there's nothing left in my life like i'm using every day here i am using heroin and fucking meth in my room alone no one there yeah you know he like and, and then just keeps coming back to keeps the same going, cycle keeps going he keeps going you know I, I i actually um i started hanging around the same people i did started doing a bunch of coke again you know no one wanted to talk to me my phone never rang yeah and um, so this, this was kind of like a turning point in my life, actually. Um, there was in my room smoking heroin. I had meth and heroin or fentanyl, whatever. It's, it's not even called heroin on the streets anymore. That's how crazy it is. It's yeah. called fentanyl. Yeah. Like when you're out there, it's fentanyl. Can I get some fentanyl? You know? And so my friend comes over. It's just like a brand new, like the whole drugs evolved. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just so messed up like it's gonna be at that point where you're not even gonna be able to 
like if you touch it it's going to be so powerful that you're just going to drop yeah like it's that's how much it's progressing yeah like all the stuff they're buffing it with now is like wow like this is crazy yeah. you know and if you were to ask me like if i would ever smoke heroin i would have said you're full of shit like i'm never touching that you know but it's just like it starts with weed and then it goes coke then it goes meth then it goes crack then it goes heroin and you know you start hitting like all these things you never thought you would hit yeah but i've hit them all i've ticked them all like at this point it's like yeah like i've hit every single one i'm so cool like look at me like anyways my friend comes over he's in the program i have meth pipes i have heroin laying around and he's like man what the fuck are you doing he's like you want to die you want you you're gonna die you're using heroin alone like what are you doing to yourself man yeah and he's just like i'm like you're right like like it actually like the light bulb clicked on a little bit and it's like what am i doing you know like i'm gonna kill myself they're gonna find me a week later i'm gonna be sunken into the the ground and you know it's just like i didn't want my life to be like that you know my stepdad kept stepdad kept on telling me to get off the methadone you know methadone like in my perspective it's like man i was hooked to that like i wasn't even like i used heroin like five times but I was hooked on methadone because when I went into detox, um, Fraser Health literally like legally needs to put you on methadone, methadone just in yeah. case anything happens. Yeah. And I got addicted to that. So that's where my opioid problem started from like being addicted to um, methadone. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go without it. If I went a couple of days without methadone, like I tried to get off it and I would shake, like I would go outside and it was like hot, it was summer and I was like shaking, like, you know, I couldn't like, not go without it you know and it got to a point where i was just starting smoking heroin again until like my friend came and you know it was a couple of days after that i think that you know i um i actually like i was so messed up like they came and delivered my meds to my door like shoppers they came to my door and delivered it and i couldn't even get out of bed like this is how like i needed drugs i couldn't even walk down the stairs and open the door and grab them I couldn't do it like the simple things in life that we yeah. can do if we're sober I couldn't do that this like, wasn't an option this couldn't like I didn't care if I was dope sick if I was you know if I didn't answer the phone like the important things became like like n nothing like I didn't care yeah you know I just wanted to die so anyways I start I actually last three days without methadone and I'm like you know what like I can kick this stuff you know, I was on like 60 milligrams or whatever. So I'm, I actually start kicking it. Like I'm literally making an attempt to come off methadone at this point, man. Like, yeah. Which is pretty like, like awesome. You know what? And like, I kicked it. I got off methadone. And like, it was hard. Like I was working a roofing job at the time. And like, I couldn't like, like feel my legs, man. Like my legs were tingly. Like I couldn't, I, I smoked at the time too. And I couldn't even, I'd go out for a smoke, yeah, okay. cigarettes and weed. Yeah. And the weed actually is the only thing that like helped at that point, you know, it helped me kick that, like it gave me that enlightenment at least, like it, I still had pain in my body, don't, don't get me wrong, but my legs, like when I went outside, they were cramped up, like it just, methadone, I've been told it depletes your muscles, you know, it takes that away, like it eats away at your muscles and it's true, like, 
when I would go outside for a dart cigarette, I couldn't stand up for longer than a minute. Like I had to sit down. Like wow. it felt like my legs were just gonna collapse. And like try roofing when you're like coming off methadone. Anyways, I stopped showing up for that job roofing. <laughs> yeah, like, that ended real quick. Like, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Man. Like, so I I I I successfully detoxed myself off methadone. Like wow. it was gone. But I still had my meth addiction, and I still was smoking weed, and we're still doing cocaine, and you know my life was still unmanageable as I was doing that. But I got off that. And this was last year. Yeah, it was yeah. uh actually yeah in the summer. Last summer. In the summer, so um, I'm still smoking meth. I'm still smoking weed. I'm still doing cocaine. I'm still hanging around the wrong people. You know, my nose was just done. Like. I can't do any more coke. Like every time, like I'd have to let it go for a while to smoke meth and you know, my nose would start to feel better and I'd do a, a line of coke and it was just to the point like it just instantly plugged up. Like there was no, I wasn't getting high cause I was doing the, the speed at the time. And anyways, so um, it got to a point in my life, man, where like, you know, let's fast forward a little bit too, cause it's gonna be the same thing. You know, I'm, I'm in my room. It's just, I'm in my room. I'm doing nothing. You know, no one wants to talk to me. So like at this point, I'm living a life that's like, not even worth living. You're just a zombie. You're just going through the same cycle over yeah. and over again. Yeah, and a couple of uh, psych ward visits. Um, back when I was in Harvard, like too, right? Like this, like so far gone. Like this, like hating myself just wanting to kill myself like depression and like anxieties through the roof especially when i'm high on drugs you know it's just like i become a person that like you know nothing can fix it you know nothing can fix my addiction yeah so um um my dad comes over one day and he's like hey i think you need to get back into um recovery and he plants that seed in my head that's like okay like i need some help and then i'm talking to a friend on the phone and and he's like he texts me after we get off the phone he's like hey like aaron like i'm sorry but like i can't be friends with you anymore like you need some help like i don't i don't want to talk to you because you're going to be the last guy who like i talk to like you're probably gonna die you know and like I'm like, holy fuck, like, look at my life. Like now I'm losing friends. And he's like, if you get sober, like I'd be more than happy to like be your friend. So a couple of weeks go by and I'm still doing the same thing. And you know, it got to a point where like I was stealing my roommate's food and I was stealing from stores to get like more drugs. And I was just doing such like grimy things that like, you know, I, I, I'm one of those guys who like, when I'm sober, I, I, I would never steal. Like it, it hurts. Like I have such a big heart, it hurts. So I'm stealing, I'm not eating for like five days at a time, man. Like when I, I was on the streets, like literally like living on the streets, like back then, like I, I had nothing, like I was awake for two weeks at a time. So like, if you play Jesus back my life, Christ. like kicked out of three treatment centers, living on the streets, not sleeping, cause I didn't want to have my stuff stolen. Um, cause I sold it like at the market. That's how I got money. Um, I lose a friend in my addiction too, eh? Like, uh, his name was Dion, like four kids, man. Like great guy, like best friend at Harbor Light, man. Like took care of me. Like we, we did everything together. We worked out together and you know, he was just a Coke guy like me. And he died of a fentanyl overdose in his single room at Harbor Light. 
So, wow. yeah. So life got a... Life was pretty messed up. So I, let, let's just recap this all. Like, I go from going downtown with my stepdad to detox to treatment to to um um running running stuff into the treatment center for jailbirds and then i get kicked out for using and then i go i'm in a shelter i'm homeless i have nothing to live for i'm doing heroin so i pick up my heroin addiction and i go back to detox because i die i come back i go to another treatment center twc together we can i get kicked out of there from getting in a fight um next thing i know i'm back on this like going to covington house because i'm kicked out and i have nowhere to go and I'm, I'm grabbing meth and i get kicked out of covington house now we go on lockdown i get kicked out of covington house for being racist and so now i'm living in union gospel um i'm sober i can't get my id um fuck that's pretty unmanageable yeah okay? yeah and it just keeps going keeps going keeps going so like what was the event where you're like fuck this i'm fully gonna end it like what like what what was the turning point for you because you have all these times where you're like you know this is gonna be the time mm -hmm. where like fuck this is my wake-up call you I know hit my rock bottom like what was it that finally was like maybe i have a fucking fighting chance yeah the, the turning point for me was my dad saying that it flicked it like planted a seed and then the guy telling me that he doesn't want to talk to me anymore and i called him he's like if you want help like if you need recommendations of treatment centers so i'm like okay like whatever like i didn't call him i kept on using and so i call him one day i'm like hey man like i need help like i'm, I'm gonna die yeah You're right like I, I need your help so he recommends inner visions treatment center because they work a thorough set of 12 steps of uh, alcoholics anonymous and you know he said this will fit you right like it can just tell like he's been through treatment too and so you know my life goes from this and you know this time when i went to treatment it felt different like it felt like i'm done like i don't want to do this anymore like i i need help like mm -hmm. I, I need to do this like and it was for me you know i made the call i did everything i needed to do you know i just paid rent at the beginning of the month and you know what like i left for treatment like a couple of days after that like i packed up everything i cleaned my room my room was a pigsty you know and i gave up everything like in the midst of my addiction i was driving around without insurance on my car for three months jeez yeah three months i was just i didn't care it was not a big deal you know nothing was a big deal so i gave up my one bedroom um i gave up all that money that I, uh, you know, I borrowed off my parents because I spent all my rent money on dope. Yeah. And so I, I gave up all that rent money and I went to treatment. And, you know, when I was in treatment, like, you know, I'm not really like a big fan of treatment centers because there's a lot of drama in them. And like, that's why I always get in fights or I get used. And, you know, this time it just felt different, man. Like it felt like magical. Like I felt I was excited. You know, and the hardest thing, so I go to uh, Inner Visions, I was at the Prairie House and, you know, I, my mom walked, we were driving, I had a check-in at 11 a.m. and my mom, you know, I'm about to say goodbye to my mom and, you know, she starts just like bawling her eyes out and she's like, you know, this is her last chance. 
Like, if you if you end up relapsing, I'm gone. Like, I'm not gonna talk to you anymore. And you know, I was like, don't worry. Like, you won't have to worry about that. And you know what, man? Like, the only thing that fucking fixed my addiction and helped me was these 12 steps, a spiritual awakening. You know, I've tried everything to you successfully, you know, and I was unsuccessful until I worked these 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Like, I've had a spiritual awakening. You know, I, I have people who actually genuinely want to talk to me. You know, I graduated the program of, of Intervisions. You know, I went to a second stage. You know, I met a girl as a result of this, you know, who wants the best for me, who, who is sober, who like loves me. So like, I've got all these things in my life, all because of the 12 steps and the promises, you know, mm. before I'm halfway through, I'll be amazed. Yeah. And like, you know, I just took four months yesterday, like 120 days sober, yeah, right? Dude, like, congrats. So, like, so like life is this like, you know, there is hope out there, man. Yeah. Like you, you know, it this, you need to do the work that's provided and yeah. you will stay sober. If you constantly journal, if you work the 12 steps, if you have a sponsor, if you have a support group, you know, you don't have to feel like this, yeah. you know, and like, it also ties in with mental health, you know, like if we take our meds daily and we talk to the right people and we get on the right meds, you know, we can get out of our, our heads a little bit, you know, cause we're so depressed, we're so upset. So as an addict, as a recovering addict, I want an easy way out. So I take the drugs, but yeah. that's not the case, man. Like I have an option today to pick up, you know, I'm out of active addiction. So it's my choice if I want to pick up or do I want to pick up that phone and call someone in Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Cocaine Anonymous. You know, I have a, I switched my phone number to get all those people that are like, that I don't want in my life anymore. Yeah. You know, because it's true, man. Like we are who we hang around, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I, if I hang out with someone and they can't teach me something, if they don't want the best for me, if they don't, or if they're not like positive, why do I want them in my life? Yeah. You know, like is a result of having negative people in my life and like not doing anything, going to work, coming home, getting loaded. You know, it fucking got me on Hastings street, man. Like, 100%. you know, like got me doing slimy things that I never thought I'd do, yeah. you know? And like, I have an obligation today to like pick up the phone and call like when my mom's calling my phone like i have to pick up that phone and let her know that i'm doing good yeah. you know because of all the shit i put it through and like still to this day like she always tells me i'll never know that pain that we put our parents through when we're in active addiction like and it's so sad that we do this to our parents the ones that brought us up that want the best for us that will do anything as long as we stay sober you know, they'll be there for us. Yeah. The minute we cross that, they can't do anything. We're gone. Like, yeah. We become like monsters, man. Yeah. Like it's, you know, I was talking, I was had my dad and my, I was out for, um, my dad had us over for dinner the other night and um, we were sitting there and my girlfriend was here and my dad was here. And, you know, I was, I started tearing up. I really, it gets emotional because like, I look back and I'm like, who, who, like, I don't even know who I was. 
Like, yeah. I, I was, like, gone, man. Like, I did so much shit, like, I never wanted to do in my life. Yeah, you lose you yourself know? completely. Like, and now I'm sober, and I'm starting to find out who I really am. And, like, I don't even know who this guy is. You know, like... Who it's the- so extreme, yeah. It's like, th- th- when I hear your story, man, I, I think there's, like... I guess, like, kind of three main lessons there. Like, the first one is, like... Dude, you never know what's gonna happen to you. Like you can grow up, like I remember thinking the exact same things you were describing where it's like, I'm never gonna touch this. I'm never gonna touch that. Like, I remember the first time me and my buddies had the conversation of like, oh, have you heard about like marijuana? Have you heard about weed? And I remember me and my buddies being like, I'm never gonna fucking touch that. Mm-hmm. Within two years, we're smoking joints at high school. Like within two years, like nothing. Like your, your world just snaps. And then all of a sudden it's the opposite. Like the other thing that I realized from you is like, like when, when someone doesn't have the mindset of like wanting to improve, wanting to get better, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do to like kind of say that. Like you have so many people reaching out to you where you're like, your parents are trying to help you. You have people in shelters trying to help you. There are people in detox trying to help you, but you just weren't in the mindset yet. Right? Like you weren't ready to heal. It wasn't even until like, dude, all of those people probably did things that were like, way more extreme than what your stepdad had said to you but because you were in like the mindset at the time when your stepdad says like dude i think you should consider going to detox again or treatment again mm-hmm. you were you were so receptive at, a, at that time that it's like it barely took anything all you had to do was say this thing to you and it clicked you're like okay fuck man I'm yeah that, that was my dad who said that like oh my, sorry my, your dad. yeah my real dad and like you know like i i, I um you know, I never got through a set of steps, man. And like, you know, I think if everyone in the world were to work a set of steps, regardless if you're not a drug addict or you're not a alcoholic, like, I think this world would be a totally different place, man. Like that, that's the most spiritual stuff I've ever done. And I'm not like, I'm not a religious guy. I'm not a spiritual guy, but like after working these steps, man, like I drop to my knees every morning and I pray. You know, if, if I, if I don't like, I'm getting shivers talking about it, you know, because like, if if I don't do basic things in my day, like journal, like you talk about in your podcast, like you talk about journaling, like that's, that's such a beneficial like tool to have. Yeah. Like, man, like I've been doing that for four months straight. I have like 120 pages. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, like praying, like you, you like you a god of your understanding regardless if it's god or like if it's an angel as long as it's not a doorknob or a light bulb because that's unrealistic right you got to have something realistic like my higher power is an angel man like it's just you know he's he if if, If you call it the universe god you call it the creator whatever you want and if there's not like for people who think there's not something bigger than them out there that you're lying to yourselves man because if there wasn't i wouldn't be here today yeah. Like if it wasn't for a higher power, you know, I would have been dead two times, but clearly that higher power wants me to live. You well, know? That, that's like the last lesson I was going to say, like the third thing that I kind of pulled from your story. And it's like, try to find like the right word for it, but like, kind of like submitting, you're like, kind of like, you know what, maybe I don't have like, cause I feel like what keeps somebody as an addict is kind of like contradictive to what most people think. Most people, when you see an addict, you're like, oh, they're helpless. But I think like in my experience, seeing my friends and even in some of the problems I've found myself in, it's like, 
you're so stuck in that egotistical like version of yourself where you're like, I think I got a grip. I think I have control yeah. over this still. Like this isn't fucking up my whole life, mm-hmm. right? And it's not until you submit yourself, like you're like, fuck, maybe I do need some help. Like maybe this isn't like, if I had the answer to this problem, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be in this fucking situation. Like maybe I need to just drop my ego at the fucking door, mm-hmm. figure out what I actually need to learn, let someone else take the reins for a second. Like the decisions I'm making aren't landing me in the right positions right now. Like Yeah, exactly. And like, you know what's cool about this whole thing, man? Like I've smoked cigarettes, like for like my whole addiction, like since high school, like since when I first started smoking weed. And when I came to treatment, man, like I fucking wanted to quit everything, dude. Like I didn't want to vape. I didn't want to smoke. You know, I was up to two packs of cigarettes a day in treatment. And you know, like they would, the staff were telling me, oh, don't take too much on your plate at once. I was like, man, like this is the place to quit everything. Like if I'm going to quit, I'm going to quit here. You know, I've, I've actually been like, I quit smoking. I've been like off cigarettes for like, they actually month, told you don't try and take too much off yeah, the plate at yeah. once. I've been off cigarettes for a month and a half, man. Wow, dude. Yeah. That's like, huge. Yeah. Like I don't even have any desires, you know, it was just like, and like, it's funny. You think back, you're like, why did I start? You know, it's just like, oh, yeah. you know, it's just fucking gross, man. Like smoking when cigarettes I think, yeah, cigarettes plagued me for so, so long, man. I was always that guy, like growing up as a teenager, into like my early 20s, I would always look at my buddies and like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you smoking darts? Like, I don't fucking get it. And I think I started smoking cigarettes at like 22, 21 or 22. And bro, I picked it up on purpose. I, I actively was like, it looks cool in movies. Yeah. I kind of like it. Like, it looks kind of nice. You get a I like, head rush. I like the social aspect of it too. How you're like, you, you say you're at like a restaurant with a group of buddies. You're like the one or two or three guys that are going to go out separate from the group. And it's kind of like the yeah. cool boys club. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I like purposely, I was like, I don't know if it was like the people I was hanging out with, not even because some, most of my friends don't smoke, but I was like, you know, I'm going to like, I actively picked it up. Like I'm like, yeah. fuck, I want to start smoking. And bro, it's been plaguing my life ever since. It wasn't until I think last year, I was like, fuck, I'm done with cigarettes. It was a camping trip oh, I went really? on. And me and my buddy bought like six packs between the two of us yeah. for the, like the weekend. And we were done it and like within, like literally like probably two, three packs a day we smoked just camping. Yeah. And I remember looking at him at the fire, we're sitting at like the fire, we're having, we're having like a smoke together. And I'm like, bro, I'm fucking done with this. This yeah, is brutal. Yeah. My throat hurts. My lungs hurt. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to eat because I want to, I'd rather be smoking. Like I don't want my mouth to be busy. Like exactly. And it's funny. Like when, when you're like an active cigarette smoker, you want to like, after, after, everything. after everything you do, like if I, if I were to eat right now, like if I were to drink a cup of water, I'd want to go for a smoke right away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like after sex, after yeah, eating, after, after drinking, yeah. after anything. Yeah. It's like, Honestly, man, like that's one of the hardest like things to list like quit. Like, yeah, it's hard. Like, yeah, man. So like addiction is like nothing. Well, it's, it's something that I like, you know, don't really cover a lot in my videos, but there's a lot of aspects of, you know, uh, like recovery that I think translate into like mental health. Like, I think that like, 
a lot of the things that help out with like recovery in terms of like addiction also help with like recovery in terms of like a lot of other problems like say like depression anxiety like you were talking about like journal helping you a lot as well uh like probably reading like you just mentioned a book recently oh, yeah. like reading helps you a lot you know probably like meditating or practicing any spiritual thing like you're yeah, saying like, like prayer that, helps you a yeah, lot like prayer like like uh like reading books man like self-care and like you know not only that like you know like when you're when you're stuck in your head you know the only thing like that really helps is like calling someone mm -hmm. you know calling someone and telling them how you're feeling you know going out meeting them for coffee getting out of your head mm -hmm. like not being stuck in that head spot you know like i don't know how many times i can recall you know I've been sitting in my room when I was in like that mental health and like addiction and I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. You're like, you're useless. You know, I had all these demons talking to me in my head, like, man, like, you know, and I never reached out. And you know, when I, when I'm in that headspace now, like, you know, you have like 900,000 thoughts flying through your head a day. Eh? Mm -hmm. Like I read that in a book, like, you know, even when you're eating, when you're like listening to music, like anything you're doing you're always having thoughts going through your head you know and and like reaching out you know telling someone about your thoughts daily you know journaling them like you know putting pen to paper you know like like let's say it's just like amazing man like did you start journaling and treatment or did you start journal, journaling by yourself journaling and treatment yeah yeah and when you started where you like were you like is it it's something like they suggest i'm assuming yeah they suggest it you know and it's like now it's, it's just like natural instinct to just like follow that program that i've been taught like it's just like daily like you know it's funny like now i'm out of treatment my girlfriend thinks that you know i'm, I'm slacking a little bit but she doesn't see it right like it's it's funny that like if you're not me you won't see it right like i'm journaling every day you know i'm I'm, on, I'm currently on step eight. It's like making amends to people I've harmed and like, you know, writing that, that all that shit out. And that's like, for me, like steps eight and nine are hard. Like, you know, it's bringing back a lot of things that you've done and the harm you've caused a lot of people. And like, now you're coming to, like, I, I've already done this set and now I'm coming back to it. And this is the set I'm gonna make my amends to all the people I've hurt in my life. And, you know, it's the hardest steps. Like people think steps four, like writing a moral inventory of yourself, that's step four. And, um, and admitting it to another human person and God or whatever, like that's step five. And, you know, I'm currently on step eight and that's like, um, getting all your thoughts, like kind of like, I, I don't know what the step is off my head, but it's like, you're, you're, you're realizing the damage you caused everyone else. And then step nine is you made direct amends to people wherever possible, except when you do so would injure them or others, you know, and. And step eight and nine are like the hardest man, you know, looking back at all the shit you've done. And like, so I'm kind of like plagued right now. Like I'm writing all the, uh, I'm writing the people and writing what I've done to them. So I'm kind of taking my time because it's like hard to look back and reflect and know what you've done in your addiction. Yeah. And your ego kind of blocks that out too. Cause like it, it fucking hurts to look at those things. So your ego wants to like block it out. You want to like remember it differently or not remember it at all yeah like exactly it's, fucking, it's pretty hard and to it's reflect like, that way yeah man. so it's like kind of right now i'm just in like a like in a zone like trying to get it done but like i don't want to rush it i want to do thorough set and like it's funny like you say your ego like the ego plays your biggest role in your addiction you know like we're so self-centered and manipulators as addicts like 
you know, we, we, we've manipulated people our whole life. We've like ran people down to like an apple core, you know, we just pick people apart, you know, and it's sad. Like I've heard so many people just from like picking them apart, calling their names, trying to make myself feel better, you know, trying to bring them down to my level, you know, hurting them like that. And it's just so like self-centered, you know, it's like now when I, when I think about it, I think about what can I do for the next person? You know, how can I help someone out today? Yeah. You know, and like that gets me out of my head too. Like that's another good thing. If you're ever stuck in your head and you want to get out, you know, try to help someone, you know, call someone and ask how they're doing. Mm -hmm. Get yourself out of your head and into their head. Mm -hmm. You know, try to like be a positive role model in life, right? Like just don't try to, I, I don't want to take anymore. Like I'm, I've taken from so many people. I just want to give back. You know, I, I want to volunteer. I want to help. I want to like love people. I, I don't want to like ever go back. You know, it's like, it's pretty dark when you look, when you look at like the story I've just told you and like, there's worse stories out there, but it's not about who we, who, who we've hung around, who, who we know, you know, it's about what can we do to help that next person? You know, that's what keeps me sober. And that's what our, our, our literature tells us, you know, you know, pass on the message, right? Carry the message to the still suffering addict and like try to help him. That's huge. That pretty much probably answers the question I was just thinking about asking you because I was like kind of listening to all this stuff, man. And I got to say, dude, like it's fucking brave of you to just like come out and openly share this story because a lot of the times like, and this is like transparency right here with like, you know, anyone who's listening to this, like a lot of the times, you know, if I see someone you know, it's usually someone that I know, like that I know well, that I kind of want to invite on to like kind of do an episode together or, you know, maybe somebody I'm curious about, maybe somebody that I can see is doing some cool stuff, but you were kind of in the, in the shadows of that. Like, and I'm not trying to say like, I didn't know who you were because yeah. we went to the same high school, yeah. but like, I, I didn't know about your story. I didn't know about your struggle. Yeah. It was you that kind of reached out to me. You were yeah. like, bro, yeah. I need to share this story. And yeah, sometimes like most of the time I've only had a couple people reach out to me and a lot of the times I'm like, okay, like maybe I don't really think this person's ready to share or I don't know if people will be able to benefit, but like just the way you messaged me and the way that you were kind of like yeah. so determined yeah, I, I did. I, and like, you're like, bro, I need to fucking yeah. share this. And story. then like, I think I told you, like I messaged you a couple of times. I'm like, take it or leave it. You know, like it's, it's in your part now, yeah. you know, if you don't want this, right. Like it's, it's a message, man. Like. I'm telling you, like, this message, like, if people want to hear it, they'll hear it. But if they don't, they don't. You know, if you want the message, I'm, I'm, I'm open. I'm an open book, man. Like, I'm here. Like, I just want to, like, get this message out there. You know, it's not a, you know, it actually helps me talking 100%. about it. You know, like, I'll walk out of here today and I'll, like, I'll stay sober just for today, right? Like, it's like. That's how, that's why I started this podcast is because like, I was like, man, I've been suffering myself for so long. Like I'm just going to start fucking talking about it with everybody. And I'm going to put it out there. Like, dude, it's not even my friends that see Like I'm throwing it out there on Instagram. Like, I don't give a fuck anymore. Who's going to judge me. Like, yeah, I do deal with depression. Yeah. I deal with anxiety. Like this is how it's fucking being helped. Mm -hmm. Right. But like, I, what I was going to ask you is like, what kind of made you transition to the point where you're like, I need to share this story. I need to like, what makes you want to share it? I guess like what, because you know, you know, I, I want to, for me, it's not about me anymore. It's about that guy who's still suffering, you know, that is scared to reach out for help that doesn't know how to reach out for help. That doesn't know that there's a solution out there that 
you know, he's still sitting in his bedroom and he and he's struggling and he needs someone. He needs to hear this message that he's not the only one out there that's been through this, man. That there is hope of someone getting a message and getting sober, you know, because the drugs out, out there aren't good anymore, man. Like, you know, it's only about time people using drugs now, if it's even socially, recreationally or whatever, man, they're going to die, you know? And it's like, if I can help one person out of a million, you know, that's all that I care about. You know, if one person can take a message of my experience, strength and hope, you know, cause like, you know, if I'm still out there, man, I'm doing no good to the world, you know, like doing this, sitting here with you, like talking to you, like talking to you guys on the internet. And, you know, it makes me feel good. You know, it makes me feel good that I'm doing something in my life that's benefiting society. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm no longer, I'm, I'm becoming a productive member of society. You know, once I was nothing, you know, I was sitting inside, I wasn't helpful. You know, I didn't have anything to offer anyone. You know, and like now today, like after this, like I've had a spiritual awakening, like I'm a totally different character than I was. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want anyone to feel like that because it's I can't even explain the pain inside, you know, living in that misery every day. You know, it was to the point in my active addiction where I was looking for a gun to shoot myself in the head. You know, like I, I was looking around, I was messaging people, I was trying to find it because I didn't want to live anymore. Yeah. You know? Like, I didn't know there was a way of life. Yeah. You know, people kept on telling me. I went to pro, I went to NA and AA for the longest time and it wasn't helping me. You know why it wasn't helping me? It's because I didn't do the 12 steps. You know, yeah. I didn't read the literature. Your mindset wasn't there. I didn't know there was a disease, you know, that like once I start, I can't stop. Like, there's no, there's no stopping, man. Like, yeah. When I pick up, that's it. You know, it took me a year to come back to recovery and get it going again. Even though I was going to meetings, it took me a year to get back into treatment, get me the help I needed. You know, I can't today. I can't have a drink. I can't have anything. I can't have a joint. I can't do anything. Like if I if I were to get injured and I were to go to the hospital and they're like, you need this, this and that. Is it is it opioids? You know, is it like painkillers? I can't touch any of that. Like I'll, I'll reactivate the the allergy all over again and it will just be like back to the races yeah like and i don't even know if i'll be able to make it back to the rooms or the recovery helps yeah you know, i don't think i have another round left in me man and i'm only 24 i'm a pretty young guy you know like it's just um i fucking had enough you know i, I had so much pain and suffering out there you know the pain because our families our friends you know everyone it just like it's just, you know, why, why not to stay sober and not have any of that pain and misery? Yeah. I think that like you and I are kind of similar in the sense that like when you find something that you enjoy, when you find something you like, or when you find something that kind of gives you something like maybe like an out of body experience or an adrenaline rush, like you're one of those people that just like, if you had a pleasure button, bro, you'd be fucking pushing it yeah. all day yeah, exactly. until that button breaks. And I think that like a lot of the times we think of that as like a negative trait. Like I think like I know for myself, like I, I, I find something I love. I do the shit out of it. Yeah, and exactly. it's all I think about. It's all I want to do. I resent things that aren't that. But then I think that, you know, as much of a negative thing as that can be, because it does lead to things like addiction. I think that yeah, you can channel it well. And it's funny because like, you know, that's because they're not like addicted to drugs or alcohol there's so many other addictions you know like 
your addiction can manifest in so many ways. You know, like me, like my addictions manifesting today, like by by when I go when I go to the bookstore now, I want every book. Yeah. Like like you know, and I'm spending like it's a pretty solid habit. Yeah, it's just yeah, <laughs> definitely it's a solid habit. But that's what I'm saying is when you when you find a way to channel that like kind of like addictiveness or obsession, like when you can channel it in the right area. Like for me right now, it's fitness. Like I'm just finding new and new workouts. Like I want to fuck my body up. Like I want to fucking be hurting. Like I want to find a new way to learn. Like that, that's what I picked up too. I picked up a uh, fitness lately too, and I, I started working out again. And you know, it, it's it's nice, right? Like it 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 sucks when you pull your back, but dude, I literally like dude. Okay, so it's funny you say that because I literally just started jujitsu two weeks ago. So you know. In my last like couple of years, I've been in a pretty solid space. Mm-hmm. I haven't been like, uh, you know, I haven't been down in the dumps as much as like a lot of other people have. So I'm pretty fortunate that way. But like, I, I was really into like bodybuilding for quite a while. I did like a junior bodybuilding show, competed, and then I was like kind of playing rugby, and then I stopped doing that, and then. I, I was kind of lost and I was just kind of like a gym bro for so long. Yeah. Uh, I was working in a gym. I like literally lived in the gym. I was in the gym minimum, like obviously eight hours a day because I'm working there, but then I train there. So I'm like in a gym 10 hours a day, mm-hmm. pretty much every day. And then, you know, I quit that, started doing my own thing. I'm still going to the gym. I, I, I uh, get a job in a restaurant and then COVID hit. And then, you know, the gym shut down. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna find a new way to work out. So I start going for bike rides and runs, and that was like kind of my new challenge. Yeah, okay, I see like, that you're killing that, right? Like, but, <laughs> yeah. You're... But then two weeks ago, <laughs> or three weeks ago, I'm like, I need a new challenge. Like, I need to be humbled. I need to like start something where I can start from square one, like something like uh, a brand new beginning. Like, I want to be a student to something right now. Like, I want to learn. Yeah. So you know, that's funny that you say that because like, I'm I'm actually thinking about like going back to school. But like I have a fear, you know, like I have a fear of the unknown, like, and, and it's like, it's important, like you were saying, like, it, it, it's really healthy to like, I feel today, like, to this face your fears. Bro, that's the ultimate ego buster. You know what I mean? And like, when the ego is gone, it. you live your best life, man, because ego is what fucking drives you into addiction. Like, the ego is just, what fucks you up. Just jump in it, you know, like, even if you... You know, you miss out on like ninety nine point nine percent of the chances you never take in your life. You know, yep. so you gotta take that one percent chance. You know, and like, you know, just take it, man. And like, yeah, you, you're still gonna like, even if you fail, at least you tried. At least you made the effort to try and do something that you you want to do, but you're just scared to do. And you know, that's what holds. I find that's what holds a lot of people back is not, you know, having that fear of not doing what they actually want to do because they're scared of failure you know yeah and so like i think like fear of failure is like it's like you're afraid of other people's judgment you're afraid of exposing your own weaknesses because like there's a lot like everyone has weaknesses right Mm -hmm. but we don't want to fucking think about them we don't want to talk about them that's why we're so busy pointing out other people's flaws and weaknesses exactly and you know that's why i like to come on on this podcast with you mark and like you know, it's important for me to get vulnerable. You know, I don't care what anyone thinks, right? It's my life. You know, no one can judge me. Yeah, well, like you can judge me all you want. Yeah, but yeah. I don't. I don't really care. It's my story. If you don't like it, too bad. So sad, right? Like, yeah. It's like a story. Take it or leave it, man. But like, yeah. I'm telling you, like, if any of you guys find a way to use drugs successfully and like, 
you know, to the, to the mount I was doing, come and let me know. Because, like, I'm telling you, man, like, I've tried every way, and every way I've tried it was unsuccessful, you know. Yeah. I ended up hurting a lot more people. But you know what? There's those people out there, too, that can, like, we call them a hard drinker or a hard drug addict, whatever it's in our, in our big book. Um, it says they can they can actually go out and they can they go on benders and they can just stop. Yeah, they just but, snap you know, back I, to I, I'm that real drug addict who goes out there and I, I can't go on a bender. You know, a bender turns into a year. You know, I can't stop. Yeah. Like, I can't stop. Like, there's no stopping and it's crazy. You know, it's like, I think there's something in our brains that, like, I think it might be the TH2. Don't quote me on this. But it like every time you put something in our body, it reactivates. Like it it, it triggers it. Like it, it it like opens it up. And mm. I I don't know exactly, but it's the THQ effect. I think it's called. They learned in treatment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. And uh, like even to what you're saying, bro. Like I think that even the people that are like, oh, like that, like I I I call the people like that you're talking about. I call them the weekend warriors, <laughs> where they're like they can fucking go to work Monday to Friday, and then Friday Saturday they're getting fucking blitzed. Like like I'm going to party on Friday night. Yeah. Wake up, like have a fucking Caesar for breakfast on Saturday. Day drink all day, yeah. and then wake up on Sunday. Have a couple more drinks, like stop drinking at like four or five, go to bed and wake up on Monday and go back to work. And they did, that's what they do. Like they like, they're functioning five out of seven days and then two days they're just getting fucking loaded. Dude, and it's funny that we're talking about that because like the weekend warrior can put it down at the end of the night. But like when I start doing it, you know, and, it, and, 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 and the buddy's like, hey, like uh, I'm going to bed and it's like, what the fuck do you mean? Like you're done? Like yeah. you're going to bed? Like that's it? Like let's go. Let's call for more. Yeah, let's, Sunday let's night get it going. And they're like, like, no, it's time to work, man. You're like, no, like, no, no, we're going. Yeah. Fuck work. Fuck everything. You know, it was to the point I started selling all all my stuff. You know, I sold everything I had. You know, if I had a house, I probably would have towed it to the dealer's house and gave him it. <laughs> Seriously, man. Yeah. Like it didn't matter. Like I was literally thinking about taking my car to my dealer's house and giving him it for more drugs, yeah. just to get high. But I didn't, thank God. But that's how addicted I was. You know, like if I if I had a house, it would have been gone. You know, it didn't matter. Anything I had, it was gone. Yeah, yeah. It comes. Yeah, it comes back to that. Like, would I rather have no house and drugs or no drugs and house? Yeah, because like when, a, when you have the drugs, you don't need the house because you're happy. You're in bliss, yeah. But like it's a, it's a, it's like a, like it's like a couple like thirty minute high, and then you're like, what the fuck, you know? And like in those th in those like hour, you do shit you would have never done if you were sober, you know? Your brain, I don't know what the chemistry, man, but you start doing fucking weird shit, man. Like Bro, shit, you uh, shit. You like rock and roll? Yeah, a little bit. You gotta watch. I like country music. Yeah. Oh, Rob, are you talking about the Keep on Going? Sorry, I, I was gonna talk about a movie really yeah, quick. Yeah, what movie? Uh, there's this movie called The Dirt, dude. Have you heard of it? Who, who is the Molly Crew. Yeah, dude, I watched that. I literally just dude, watched it last night. I watched it three times already, bro. Really? Dude, that movie's like. When Nikki Six, dude, when he's like, you're watching like the heroin addiction, yeah, dude, you're you watching. can't stop. Dude, he's done, right? He's like he's fucked. at Tommy Lee's wedding and he's just like destroyed. He's yeah, the and best he falls man. off the stage. Yeah, 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 bro. Fucked up, man. And like it turns you into a person. But there's this point where like 
Maybe he was doing a 12-step program, but in the movie, there's the point where he goes back to Tommy Lee's house. He's like, bro, like, I know it's been years. I know this all passed, but like, remember at your wedding when I was like super fucked up? Like, I want to apologize for that. Like, that was his point where like his ego's destroyed. He's like, I'm going to make amends. Like, this is the one guy I fucking love. Like, yeah. And, and it's like, also like, it was uh, MGK was the drummer. Yeah, right? Tommy yeah, Lee. Tommy Lee, man. And like, it's actually been a while since I've watched that movie. Like, I think I need to go back and watch it again. Like, that movie, if you haven't watched it, like, even A Million Little Pieces. Like, it's another movie on, um, oh, it's on that. Amazon Prime. And it's, like, about a guy. He's it's like, a book, right? I think I Yeah, yeah, it's a book. It's, it's, a book. it's written off a book. Yeah, yeah. Like, and they made a movie about it. And, like, yeah, man. Like, it's all, like, I don't know. Like, this 12 steps have changed my life. Like, I never thought, like. You know, I never thought life could be this good. Like, if it wasn't for the 12 steps, I'd probably be dead, man. Like, you know, like, uh, I have a resentment today against my treatment center I went to, Intervisions, but that's me. Like, I, I, I'm working on it, but, like, you know, it's, like, it was just hard to, like, the way I left treatment, you know? Like, I left second stage. Like, I went, like, I was in treatment for, like, four months or, like, close to, let's just say four months, man. And, like, the way I was treated was, like, Start, like when I left you know it's just like you know they're you know they're more about like treatment centers are harsh nowadays man like it's more about the money you know what I mean like it's not about like yeah it's kind of about the people but they could do more to the people you know like they need to do more stuff because like addiction is just like fucking shoved under the table you yeah know? like well it's a huge problem here in Vancouver like it's it's I think that there's like a combination of a bunch of different problems. Like I think that A, it's heavily stigmatized. Like people look at addicts and they don't look at like an addict as if it's like a little brother or an older brother or a, or a friend. They look at addicts as like, that's a fucking junkie, right? Like they, they just think of them as fucking selfish and that like, and obviously when you are addicted to things, you do make selfish decisions, but you're not yourself. Like I think that, oh no, like it's the stigma that, that sucks. It's also like the fact that a lot of these places are like overloaded. Like there's so many fucking people Dude, and that the, abuse the system. They just in and out all the time, right? And it's like the turnover rate, man. Like when I was in treatment, like from first stage to second stage, like I must have seen like 50 people come in and leave, like even more. Like I've had like two people, I think it was around two or three people who passed away, like who left treatment. Fuck. And like, you know, one of the guys was an alcoholic and he died of a, drug overdose you know what i mean so like even if you're not addicted to drugs when you take that first drink you know and you're hammered you make decisions that you would have never made if you were sober mm -hmm. you know you, if you're if you're drinking you're probably gonna do coke you know to drink more yeah. at least from my my yeah, knowledge so of, yeah like a lot of people you know the one guy who died he hated drug addicts he hated drug addicts and treatment like he he thought it, it should only be for alcohol alcoholics and he died of a drug overdose you know so it's like it's like w w even when you're under the influence you make decisions you don't want to make you know yeah. like you act someone you're not you know and it's pretty um pretty sad man you know it's like and like a lot of these things you know we're hiding secrets that we don't want to tell people you know, and that's what Skeletons keeps us sick. It keeps us sick. Yeah. You know, it's why we work the 12 steps, man.
Because yeah. we then that step five when we go and we tell another person and we admit to God of our natures of our wrongdoings, you know, we tell them everything, even our deepest secret, man. Yeah. You know, and like it's just like you feel an instant relief, you know, you don't have to hide anymore. You're not constantly carrying that weight around knowing you've done something that you shouldn't have done. Yeah. And like Oh, uh, like out of all like maybe if it maybe it's like maybe like one of the steps that you, uh, really sticks to you or like all the lessons that you've learned like out of, out of all the lessons out of all the steps like what's the one thing if you can narrow it down to one thing like what's the one thing that like kind of like maybe changed your life or shifted your mindset like what's the number one thing out of all like the steps or lessons that resonates the most with you like that shaped who you are now the step the the the, the thing that resonated the most with me and that i'll carry around the rest of my life as long as i'm living you know is helping that one guy who's still struggling you know having a helping hand and this being able to help someone who needs that help you know regardless you know i can't carry him but i can help him you know i can plant the seed you know i can offer to help take him through the steps you know i can help someone who doesn't you know, I can go to meetings, I can talk to him, I can tell him, I can give him a message of experience, strength and hope. You know, I can, I can give him that hope that, you know, you're not alone. You know, I can love you until you can learn to love yourself, right? That's what we tell people. Because, you know, it's important, you know, you come into these rooms and you're so broken, you know. And like, we're, we're pretty good at hiding stuff, right? We're pretty, but like at the end of the day, we're brilliant people, man. Like, you know, a lot of like famous people, I, I think in this day and age are drug addicts and alcoholics, man. You know, yeah. like they're the most- Or successful. recovered from. Yeah, they're right? yeah, recovered from. You know, I'm recovering, right? Yeah. But, you know, eventually I'll be recovered from the mind and body, right? Like, but I'll, I'll always be a recovering addict. Like I'll never be able to use like a normal person or drink like a normal person. Yeah. Do you ever listen to Russell Brand? Oh, Russell Brand, I actually read his book, um, I don't remember what one it was, but I read it. It's a uh, Russell Brand, man. It's hard. How about Brandon Novak? Brandon Novak has a crazy story, man. I don't, you, I don't know. Actually, never, I'm not yeah, he's like a professional scare. Like Russell Brand's good, but his like I I, I don't resonate. Like it's hard for me to like resonate with him because of his like his 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 accent and his like his uh, like at least in the book it was like a little bit like hard to understand his like uh. The way he speaks. The way he, like, words stuff and, like, like his accent. So, he's a funny little guy. Yeah, he's yeah. funny. But, like, uh, for me, Brandon Novak, like, even Steve-O, man. Steve-O, oh, yeah. yeah even, dude. like, Brandon Novak. Steve-O's podcast is sick. Yeah, bro. like, like uh, Brandon Novak, he, he was a professional skateboarder, man, and he burnt everything to the ground. He, mm. was, he was prostituting himself on the corner yeah, of yeah. Philadelphia for $10, man, just to get more heroin. Yeah, I you remember know? that. Like, like, he was so sick, like... He, dude, he was so sick, dude. Like, it's just like, these are what the drugs do to you, you know? Like, I don't know. It, like, I'm the real deal. Like, I'm the real drug addict or the real alcoholic, we call it. Like, it can't, can't, can't I, touch I, I can't touch anything. Like, yeah. like, even like the gum. Like, I've had this piece of gum in my mouth for two hours. And like, when I put a gum, I, I'm addicted. Like, I can't stop chewing it. Like, it's fun, you know? Like, I enjoy it. Like, it yeah. gets hard and just enjoy rolling it around in my mouth you know like reading books once i start i can't stop you know and the crazy thing is man is when you get sober the stuff you do in your addiction that you thought was fun like for me playing video games was fun like now when i I tried to play it this morning when i was sober it was like holy fuck like like five minutes into my nhl game i was just like i don't want to play this yeah like it's just 
so pointless. No, I know what you mean, man, because I've got a PlayStation there and all it does is hold books. Look, like, yeah, collect dust, right? Literally, it's just a book, like, it just has five books just sitting <laughs> on it. Like, we haven't touched that. Me and my roommate, when we moved in, like, we have a PlayStation 4, an Xbox One, we have a Nintendo 64 with all the cool classic games. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he, I think he has a Super Nintendo or maybe one other thing. Like, bro, we're loaded. Like, with all of these different things, we never touch them anymore. Yeah, you know, and, like, it's, like, for me, it's, like, you know, the happiest people are in the world are the people who don't have much, man. Yeah. Like, or the people that could live without much. Yeah, like... They might have a lot of stuff, but for, they're good. For, for me, man, like, I don't give a fuck if you're driving the nicest car down the road. It's a materialistic. If you're not happy in the inside, you'll never be happy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's important to have a nice heart. You know, like be able to help people, you know, be like comfortable in your own skin, you know, like not have too big of an ego. But like, you know, for me, like that's kind of a touchy subject. Like sometimes you have to have an ego, right? Like if someone's like, like pestering you and like, you know, like you have to like fire back at them. But like, again, like it's that's why it's like, you know, I feel bad for saying that because, you know, I want to be the, the bigger person and just ignore them, you know. But like for me, it's always been hard to just let people like pick at you, pick at you, pick at you. And then like, you know, I always just want to like clock them one, but like, it's not the right thing to do now. It's like, what would like my higher power want me to do, right? Like I got to turn it over to him. Yeah. You know, Cause that person will get what's coming, right? Like, well, not even that, but it's also like, I had a buddy cause I've always been like, kind of like, I like things that I, I was talking to my roommate the other day and like he's talking about like, do you ever just like wake up and you get pissed off at certain things? And I'm like, not really, things don't really bother me much. Like it's people that bother me. Like I don't really get irritated at things. It's always like people that bother me. You know, they get on my nerves, they piss me off. And I always think like I had a good buddy I used to work with like a long time ago. And he's like kind of like an older brother to me. And mm -hmm. I remember him saying like, I'm going off about how like this one guy was pissing me off so much. And he's like, man, like that person's broken, bro. They're like talking to you from a perspective where they're like, fuck, they're broken. Yeah. And dude, like you're like looking at a broken person and seeing them make broken behaviors or broken decisions, saying fucked up things that piss you off. And it's mm -hmm. like, dude, like, would you be mad at a snake for doing things that a snake does? Would you yeah. be mad at a, uh, you know, a dog for doing things that a dog does? Yeah, you're right. Right. Like you kind of have to look at, you know, that's a broken person. They're fucking... I just feel bad for them. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like a little kid having a temper tantrum. Yeah, and you you know, it's it's true. That's true. And it's like, they have, like, you have something they want. Yeah, whether you it's know, a thing or a quality or a person in your life yeah, that they don't have. Like, for instance, like, I was in treatment, you know, I had a strong program. Like, I worked my program, like, at least, like, three hours a day, man. Like, my, my steps are thorough. Like, like, thorough, man. Like, I got a girlfriend. You know what? After after all, so they don't like you having a girlfriend. They, it's recommended you don't. But like, who are they? Like, as long as she's supportive towards my recovery, she wants the best for my interest. Yeah, it just seems you know why should that matter? You know, like yeah. it's not their program. It's like if I do that, that's me, right? Like, like no one can tell me what to do. And you know, like it's like as soon as all these things happened in my life, and I was happy, like I was truly happy, like like even though. I don't put anything ahead of my recovery. Once I put something ahead of my recovery, everything just gets unhealthy, you yeah. know? So, you know, as soon as I got like, 
you know, I, the, the spark turned in my eyes early in recovery. Like, I started to see the spark, the sparkles in my eyes again. Like, they were just dead before. But then, let's get back to the girlfriend. Um, my, my, my program was solid as fuck. Like, I, I'll tell you that. Like, I have, a, I have a strong program. Like, I work, like, it religiously. Like, I'm coming up to the end of my steps, and I'm already like, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. You know, what, what's the next set of steps I'm going to get on? I got an answer for you when you're done. Yeah. So Come to me when you're done. I got a program for you. Yeah. <laughs> I got a program so, for you. Yeah, so I, I started to really be happy, and I started to feel like, okay, I don't need treatment anymore. Like, I, I can do this on my own. Like, I started to be like, wow, like, this is working. Like, I could do this in my daily. Everyone started to hate me. Like, they hated on me. You know, because they're like, struggling with their steps. Yeah, and they're doing. I don't know what they're doing. It doesn't really affect me what they're doing, but I'm I'm truly happy. You're in your own lane. Yeah, I'm in I'm in my own lane, and they're trying to like take me off that lane. Yeah, like even the staff, because they were addicts themselves, and it's like you you would think they would be happy for me, right? But they mm. weren't. They like were mad. Like I got kicked off the alumni meeting. Like they don't want me in the alumni meeting because I told the truth what happened. Like they thought I was lying. But I was actually doing my steps and I was doing everything, but I was going to see my girlfriend in the nighttime. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was back by, by 10 o'clock, like we're supposed to be, but we had dinner, you know, we were going out for dinner, we were doing all that. And like, they were mad that I was doing that, like I'm not supposed to be, whatever, but I was doing it. You know, and I, I gave them my, I was leaving on May 1st and I got kicked out the day I told them. Like, you know, and it's like, I didn't lie. I was going to the library. I was working my steps at the library. I was going to a noon meeting, you know, and the only, the only reason we have to action out is in case we're missing group. And I was missing groups. So I could go do my steps. I would go to the library. I would um, go to the nooner and I would come home around four. I would shower and then they kicked um, And then I would go and see my girlfriend for dinner. Cause I fucking, we ate the same shit every week, Yeah. you know? And so I guess they didn't like that. And they thought I was lying. And I'm like, look, like, I wasn't lying on my action out. Like, look at my steps. You think that does itself? No. And I was like, they're like, you were going to see your girlfriend. I'm like, yeah, I was. I'm not going to come up to you and tell you. You think I'm going to just, like, come up to you and tell you what I'm doing? Like, it's none of your business. And then they wanted to know where my girlfriend lived. And it's like, it's none of your business where I'm going. Like, I'm out of your care now. Like, you don't need to know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Like, unless I'm missing group, why should you need to know my personal business? Like, if I'm... If, I, if you think I'm using drugs, then test me, you know, test me. But I think it's very important that you see, like, after, like, at least three, four months, you're allowed. Like, if I had a recovery house, you know, it's important for you to go and see your family, man. Mm. Like, it's important to see, like, if you fall in love, you fall in love. You can't control that. You know, it's important, man. Like, all these things they didn't let us do, you know. Yeah. It's like, like, it's hard, you know, the first couple of... Okay, it's a fine line though, right? Like I, I see where you're coming from as well because like as humans we need that connection. But I think where they're coming from is like um like you need to work on yourself right now. Like let alone be like you know, but I think yeah, I there's two sides to the coin. Like and I think that those things can really help you out, but I think there's a lot of like types of people that, you know, are gonna use that as an excuse or maybe the girlfriend that they're with they were with while they were addicts and maybe that girlfriend uses, but that's why it they sounds have, like your that's situation That's why they have piss tests, yeah. right? Like yeah. you can't, you can't fool a piss test. Yeah. You know, like I it got to the point, like it got to the point, they watch it come out of the tip of your neck when you take it, <laughs> eh? Seriously, it's the hardest thing ever, man. You like freeze up. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say, I think I'd get staged yeah, right Yeah, it took me like, I did, I drank like four liters of water one time when I had to take a pee test, man, but it's, 
it's it's kind of like you know i'll pee in all the cups i have nothing to hide like yeah. i i'm gonna i don't want to fucking use again like yeah. it's like I, i'd do anything to stay sober you know if you told me to jump off the balcony i'd jump off the balcony to stay sober if if, if like an anticipation came that i was gonna get loaded and like you told me something if it's like okay if you don't do this you're gonna get loaded but if you do this you won't get loaded i take the anything to not get loaded yeah you know it, 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 there's just so much pain and suffering that comes around with with it like I, I'm in this for the long term, man. Like I wanna do, I'll do whatever it takes to stay sober, man. And I would be lying if I say every day's like, like roses and sunshines, cause it's not, man. Like sometimes it's like, you know, I just wanna jump off a bridge. Like, you know, it's just like, it gets hard, but you know what? It gets, it gets easier. Like you have those thoughts come through your head, but it's easier to just get, you know, if, if I was, loaded and i had these thoughts it would take all day for me to get over it but now it takes a couple of minutes maybe an hour yeah but it's gone like it leaves your mind quicker yeah i think like the way that you're talking about that is the same way like i've always talked about you know like my depression it's actually kind of similar because i got to a point like it's like okay i'm not who i want to be i don't think the thoughts i want to think I'm hurting the people around me because I'm acting out in different ways and maybe I'm like um, like projecting my emotions on other people or I'm being like kind of mentally abusive because I'm hurting inside and I remember getting to a point where I, I go to my doctor and I'm sitting there and I start talking to her about all this stuff and I'm telling her about how I'm feeling and they get you to fill out those like I, I don't know if you've ever like heard of this but like they, they give you like basically a, a sheet of paper and it's like a list of things and it's like, on a scale of one to five, have you ever felt this when you yeah, wake yeah, up? Yeah, have yeah. you had this? And you yeah. go through and you answer and they give you a score basically of how depressed you are. It's like out of like 50 or yeah, whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. And I remember I like fill that shit out and, and my doctor goes like, look, like we, you do have a serious problem. Like we gotta start fixing this. Like, would you be open to this? Would you be open to that? And I remember looking my doctor in the eye and literally saying what you just said to me. I was like, bro, like I have been fucking hurting myself and other people for far too long. Like I've been trying to fucking, I've been joking to myself that I have control of this situation. Like I'm fucked. Like at this point, I will do whatever you say. Like I just want to be fucking better so bad, man. And you, you know what? Like, you know, you know, when you say like, like for me, like every single day in my addiction, I was like, okay, I'm going to quit tomorrow. I'm going to quit tomorrow. I'm going to yeah. quit. I'm going to quit this day. And you know what, like, if I, I was so, like, I, I, I believed it. Like, I knew I could do it. Yeah, you sell like, yourself like, on it, you If you hooked me up to a lie detector test. You're like the world's best test, salesman, bro. Yeah, if you hooked me up to a lie detector test, I would have passed it with, like, like no problem. Yeah. Like, that's how bad I wanted to quit. But I couldn't, you but know? tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. It's tomorrow was time and I would be loaded. Well, I, yeah, that's what I mean, like. Then it'd be tomorrow, and then the next day it's tomorrow. Tomorrow yeah, it's just like it goes, and like next thing you know, a year's gone by, and you're still in that rut. Yeah, you know it was so bad. Like my dad's backyard, it had like it's like grass, and like it was me walking back and forth, and it was like like you could see my like that my track that I would always walk back and forth, back and forth, and it was like like you could see the the path like the rat like it was an actual like that's how addicted i was like i grew like there was a just a, a trace of me like like going back to the shed here back to the house here shed back here shed back like you could see it you could that was my life like that's all i did like it was just a rut it was like 
holy cow, like, I, I have a problem. Like, I'm a serious, like, drug addict, man. Like, you know, I would hide everything from everyone. Like, no one knew anything about me. Yeah. Until I got sober. You know, and it's like, man, like, if it wasn't for spiritual solution, there's no other solution. If you're in addiction so bad, like, the only solution I think there is, in my opinion, like, I was so far gone and like, I was like, yeah, what the fuck are these 12 steps gonna do? <laughs> well, I'm sober. You know, I, I hate, like I came into a treatment and they're like, I'm like, fuck, what's this gonna do? You know, but like, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, like I never thought that was possible, man. Yeah. Like, like to this day, like. Well, I think it's important, man. Like I, and I think like this as well, cause like growing up, like, and this is like kind of how like, this is like what everyone says. So it's kind of like something I fucking hate hearing. It's kind of so cliche, but it's like growing up as like guys, like, you know, we hear about things like journaling. We hear about things like reading. We hear about things like reflecting on yourself or dropping your ego or, you know, a 12 step program or like I'm going to counseling or therapy. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. like you hear all these things and you're like, fuck man, like I don't need that. Or I, I don't think that should have worked for me. I, I'm, I have my own isolated situation. Like that's for someone else. Like you think of that as like kind of like wimpy or weak or nerdy. And like, I think it's important for like guys like, like you, like you're a big guy, you're tatted up, you're inked out, you're, mm -hmm. you got a nice beard, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I think it's important for guys like you where it's like, look bro, like I was in a fucking dark hole, dude, mm -hmm. for a long time. And I fucked a lot of things up, but I'm accepting this responsibility now. Like it's okay to reach out for help. It's yeah. necessary to reach out for help. Like you might not have the answer. Like I think that that in and of itself is a powerful message. Like. There's going to be kids out there that were like you and me who like, you know, we're not receptive to like the shows we see on TV that yeah. tell us to go get help. Yeah. You know, we're in high school and someone comes and does an assembly about drugs. You, yeah, you went through the dare program, right? right? That, like do all of that stuff. Like we never gave a like, shit about, but I think that you're someone out there who's suffering sees like a guy like you and they're like, yeah, this guy's a fucking cool guy. He's big. He's Jack. He's strong. He's got ink. Like, this is the guy I want to listen to. Like, fuck man, I'm not alone. Like yeah. the way he's talking, like I could see that in myself. Like, I think that's the message like someone's going to respond like, to. And, and like, you know, what's funny, like you, you hear it, like you hear it so much, like men don't cry, like men don't do this. Like f men fucking cry, man. Like, oh, yeah. like men cry. And like you were saying, like, like you're never alone, you know, like it's just, you got to reach out for help, you know, like, and like it's saying, like, you know, I, I want to go, I want to give back, you know, I want to go to high school because I want to talk, you know, I want to be able to like get a message across. Like, that's what I want to do. That's what I'm planning to do. I want to go to high school is when this COVID's over and get a couple of us guys and like the Narcotics Anonymous for Alcoholics and like go and share a message because like, man, I'm, yeah, and it's crazy, man. Like high school is now, I, I've heard meth's getting into them, you know, like Fuck. meth. And, and they have this thing called Wi-Fi. You know what Wi-Fi is? No. It's Adderall and it's um. Isn't that from point two? Yeah, yeah. The, it's Adderall and Xanax, and 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 it's recreational in this generation that we're in now. Jesus. Like yeah, Christ, like it's man. it's normal. Like a guy, a, a, a staff member was telling me that his daughter wanted to do Wi-Fi, Xanax and Adderall, and you're right. I didn't know it was from twenty whatever that movie. Yeah, yeah. But like, 
Yeah, man, it's it's in like high schoolers. It's like what kids do on the weekends now. Like and like meth is in high schoolers because now weed's legalized, so meth's getting in there now, eh? Yeah, because it's not what the rebels do now. because it's legal. So it's like, can you? There's like, I don't know where the world's going, man. But like, it's not okay yeah. to use meth, man. I'm telling you, it rewires your brain and makes you do stuff you would have never done. Like it's the worst mistake I've made in my life by doing drugs. Like if I could go back now and I could know what I know now in my younger body, I would have not never touched anything. Yeah, it's crazy, man. And I especially think like, like Richmond is definitely like plagued a lot because bro, I don't know how many people I either went to high school with or went to college with or played sports with or, you know, met through other friends and it's like, Oh, so and so is addicted to this shit now, or so and so fucking took his own life, or so and so overdosed. Dead. And it's like, bro, how many fucking bodies have to drop until like we all kind of realize like this is fucked, man. Yeah. Like, we have to talk about this. Exactly. Like, and it's and it's crazy. Like, I I I don't I I I grew up in Richmond too, and like you don't see shit on the streets, man. No. You know what I mean? Like no. you see the occasional homeless guy. Bro, I go for runs every single fucking night or every single morning and I, I wake up pretty early. So usually the people that are partying all night are up at the time that I get up and like it's only like one or two guys every now and then that I see like kind of like yeah. sleeping at a bus stop Dude, or whatever. I, when I was on Hastings, I've seen everything, like everything you could see, like prostitutes, like needles, like everything, like everything you don't want to see. And like, you know, I came back to Richmond. I was living in Richmond. I didn't see anything. And then... You know, and, and then I went to treatment and, you know, in Maple Ridge and I was able to go out and like, I was able to go like once COVID restrictions let up and dude, like I've seen like, you know, Richmond has it pretty good, man. I've seen like people were asking me for meth. People were asking me, where do you get heroin? You know, and it's like, I've seen people shooting up, you know, and it's just like Hastings down there. It's crazy. Maple Ridge. Yeah. Yeah. Downtown Maple Ridge. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's like. You know, I, I'm glad I'm super strong, you know, because like a couple of people in treatment told me they had drugs on them and, you know, I, I was able to get rid of them and discard them, but I had to take piss tests because they thought I used them, but I didn't. I yeah. passed the test, but, you know, it's like now, like, a, I, I'm still a little bit hesitant when I like talk about, like, or like I hear people talking about it, I got to like walk out because it's like, man, like, this is too, like, uh, what's the word for it? Like, um, it's too tempting for me. Like, it sounds too good you know it like you know and it's like it's not really like cool to talk about it right like it's like i have a message but like you know it's just like it's harsh for some people to like listen to right like it sends them out the door you know but like bro but that's good man repel that evil out man tell them fuck off yeah i want nothing to do with that because that's how like to the point where i got like i i remember telling some of my old buddies that i used to you know party with quite a bit i'm like They'd be like, yo, do you want to chill? And I literally asked them, what are you planning on doing? Like, what, what are we going to do? Like, oh, I'm just going to sit around and play video games. Not interested, bro. Yeah. You want to go for a workout? You want to go catch a meal? You want to chill Yeah, exactly, bro. Like, do you want to do something else? Like, because anytime they'd be like, let's party. I'd be like, dude, I'm not fucking going anywhere near that. Like, I've had too many friends get impacted by this. Where it's like, what? I have to go to another fucking funeral now? Or like I have to watch one of my buddies get like detached where I have to cut them off. Like it's fucked up, man. Yeah, like, and, it's, and it's crazy. Like, you know, like I've had to cut off so many people in my life to be like the person I want to be, you know, like I, I don't want to like uh, go back. Like, it's just like, 
But I find you don't have to cut people out. You just have to cut behaviors out. And the people will cut themselves out. Yeah, you but know, like you stop partying, like, your party friends disappear. Yeah, but still, like, you know, I don't even want to talk to them. I don't even want to hear from them. Oh, like, I don't want to, like, it's hard enough, like, having people on Facebook that, like, I know do drugs and, like, you know. You're seeing have, the status have, updates, yeah, exactly. the pictures, partying and shit. And you're like, just like, dude, fuck off. Yeah, it's just, like, you know, it's true, man. Like, it, it, who, who you are who you hang around. Like, I can't, like, express that enough, like. Man, like we were talking about earlier in the podcast, how like you gotta keep setting goals for yourself, like, and it's hard, man. Like it's hard to yeah. set. Like it's it scares me today to know, like, you know, like that I want to do stuff, and I'm scared to get there. You know, it's just like, but like this push through it, this keep pushing. Yeah. You know, the world is like open. You know, as long as you, you know, like you know, I used to really hate cops and I used to hate them, but like you know what, man, they're good people. You yep. know, cops are good people. Like, here in Canada, we have them pretty good, bro. Like, they take care of us. As long as you're not a fucking shithead and you're not causing any problems, why do you have to worry? You know, it's so nice now to have, like, not worry about cops when you're passing them. Or it's like, hmm, if they want to stop me, they stop me. I have nothing to hide. Yeah, dude, that's a good feeling as well. Like, I remember once I stopped fucking partying, once I stopped hanging around, like, certain people, like, there was this, like, weird comfortability I had where it's like, but yeah, I have nothing to hide now. There's nothing I need to worry about. Like, there's nothing, mm -hmm. you know, like, it's it's huge, man. I think that, um, I think there's a lot of people out there that, you know, there, there's definitely, like, rough cops out there that are idiots and shouldn't be cops. But there's also, like, I, I like to think of it from the perspective of this, like, dude, especially in Vancouver, like, uh, the, I think the main thing that cops do is fight gang violence. Like, I think that's one of the biggest things they do is, like, drug intervention because there's so many drug dealers. Mm -hmm. And then they're, like, kind of going after gangsters. And I think that, like, it's pretty far-fetched to think that someone would just, like, sign up to risk their life every day if they didn't actually care about making society better. Exactly. Like, yeah. I think that that's huge. Like, I think that – I don't think that I could think of any rational person I know that would be like, I would put myself in the way of getting killed just to fucking have power so I could fuck with people. Yeah, for sure. But you know? that's, that, I don't know, it's kind of like, Canada's way different than the US, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like cops here compared to there, it's different. Yeah. Like, and it's like, like the gangs just kill each other, you know? Like, it, it, like if you think it's cool to be a gangster, man, like, you know, like you, you do what you do, like people on the internet, like I, I don't care what you do, but like that's to let them know, like, that you're probably gonna end up dead if you're a gangster. Like it's yep. it's a short lived life. Like yeah, it might be a good life. You might be think you're cool, but like it's not cool, man. Like bro, it builds it, into what it, you were saying. Like you become like fucking anxious all the time. You're running from the cops. You're like yeah, fuck, I have like, to hide this. And like you know, you know what's cool in my opinion? Watching someone help someone. Yeah. You know that's what's cool, man. You yeah. know that's what makes this world goes around. Yeah. You know, like if you can help someone who needs help, if you can be there for someone when they're suffering, you know, if you can do anything to help someone, you know, that's the cool thing to do. Like, you know, like it's for me, like, and, and then let's tie back into that, like, uh, um, like judging, you know, like I want to get my neck tattooed, right? Like I already have one here and like, I just got my girlfriend's lips on my neck and like, you know, people are like, why would you get your girlfriend's lips? I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'll do what I want to do. If you want to judge me, go for it and judge me. You know, remove me off Instagram, remove me off Snapchat, remove me off Facebook. I don't care. 
Like, if that's what makes me happy, why should it matter to the population? Yeah, hell yeah, man. You know, like, whatever happens, happens, man. Dude, 100%. And, like, I always like to think, like, I think I heard this on, like, a Gary Vee podcast, but it's, like, um, you know, like, every time someone's judging me, I always think in my head, I'm like, but what the fuck? What about you, bitch? What the fuck? Like, what the fuck? Oh, you don't have fucking flaws? Yeah. Like, oh, they're like, oh, like, Mark swears too much, or Mark does this, or... You know, Mark is too intense sometimes. He's too laid back sometimes. There's so many somebody saying some shit. And I'm like looking, I'm like, bitch, what about you? Yeah, what you're the, the fuck? one judging You me. don't have any flaws? Like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, yeah. Yeah, dude, know. what are you doing? Like, yeah. what, you what are know? you doing, right? Like, yeah. it's Like, like we all have something like, fucked yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. If you, like, I call them defects of character, right? Like, yeah. like we're always going to have defects of character no matter what, like, we do like no matter how hard we try to remove them like the only person who can remove them is our higher power and you know what like i believe like i've came to a conclusion in the last like four months that like god's in here yeah you know what i mean Lives in your heart, like, like he's in here like like seriously bro like your soul is god mm-hmm. like it's true like when you get anxious you feel stuff you, you never you feel emotions like it's true like mm. that's what i've realized like if i follow what's in i can't follow my heart i gotta follow my gut because when i follow my heart people take advantage of that kindness yeah you know but my gut will never steer me wrong yeah you know it's like it's like a gut versus your heart you know what when are you gonna take because I'm, I'm a really caring guy and you know I, like when i see people doing doing like hurting themselves you know it fucking hurts me man like it, it, I love people so much it hurts yeah you know like it hurts yeah yeah dude 100 percent. I like that where it's like uh, like a war between your I always say like your brain and your heart but I agree like I think your brain and your gut go hand in hand like I think that you know your gut or your brain is always like thinking on logic and your heart's always thinking on emotion it's like well what's that person gonna feel like but then your brain and your gut's saying like well, what's the situation going to be like, man? Like, take mm-hmm. a level-headed approach from it, dude. And, like, th- like this is the last thing I want to touch on, man. Like, for me, like, I've I've ran my whole life off self-will. Like, and look where it's got me. It's got me on Hastings. It's gotten me kicked out of treatment centers. It's gotten me, like, distant bad, like, dark holes, like you were saying, right? And, like, now I got to turn... Like, I got to think about what does God want me to do, you know? If I don't make my own decisions anymore... Like, mm-hmm. it, like I, I think of them and I ask people what they think of them. And if they think it's good, I do it. If they don't think it's good, I don't do it. Because clearly, like, making my own choices in my own life has gotten me, like, like loaded. It's gotten me, like, hurt. It's gotten me, like, kicked out. It's gotten me, like, like just deteriorated. Like, like man, like, it's gotten me almost dead. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, so when I... When I think of something, I immediately ask someone what they think, because my best thinking gets me loaded. You know, I have, I have my addiction has a hit on my ass and it wants me killed. You know, mm-hmm. like it's it's out there working out. It's like the devil on your shoulder. Yeah, versus the angel. And it's fucking training on like how can I fucking deceive him this time? Yeah, it's on steroids, bro. And it's fucked up, man. Like, you know how many times I packed my bags up in treatment and said I'm leaving. Yeah. yeah I packed my bags up like, I packed up like three times. And like I played the tape out, and, and I the asked angel people, came back. Yeah, exactly. It's it's crazy. Like that addiction wants you dead. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's an addiction poem that like I read in treatment, and it's like it's telling it. It, it was just a big uh, 
a rhino oh, thing, yeah. and it was like just about addiction, and that like man, it, that thing's evil, man. That thing, like, bro, it's the worst. It's yeah. the absolute worst, man. It's killing people. Fuck, man. Well, we're coming up on like what two hours now. Actually, we've been chatting, bro. Like, this is one of the longest episodes I've ever done because I just like this conversation a lot. Yeah, it's it hits great. close to home for me, man. But um, you know, for like maybe like a, a teenager out there, or a young twenty-year-old out there that's kind of like maybe listening to this and they they they're maybe struggling with addiction. They're maybe struggling with something else, but they just feel like maybe they're like fucking in too deep and they're lost and they just don't know what to do. Maybe they're like listening to you and they're like fuck man that's me like it's not me it's not just me like i'm not alone like this guy did something or went through something similar like what what would be like your piece of advice to someone that like just feels like fuck man i'm in a jam i, I don't know if i can get better like where you kind of were where i've been like what's your biggest piece of advice for that person ask for help you know reach out you know there's a lot of uh services out there right like treatment you know make sure you make the right decision you know and like if you guys need help you know, reach out to me, right? Like, um, Mark will link my Instagram in the, uh, in the description. And, you know, if you ever need help, call me, man. Like my, my number's out there. If you're struggling, you know, if you want to meet up for coffee, if you need to talk, if whatever I can do, you know, just reach out. You don't have to struggle anymore, man. Like you don't have to pick up. You don't have to do that to yourself. You know, you, there's so much help out there, you know, just, uh, try to get to a meeting, try to like, you know, get someone to take you through the steps, right? Like, you know, this spiritual awakening, man, like that's all I can say is like, reach out for help. Cause like clearly our, our best thinking gets us loaded, man. We can't make our own choices, no matter yeah. how good we think we are, you know, we got to lose that ego and just be who we are, man. Cause like, you know, this life, we don't live long enough. No, like, dude, it's short and it's quick, man. You got to soak it up. The last thing I'll say, because I just kind of thought of this right now and this is something that both of us experienced as well. Like, um, you know, like the first treatment center you went to wasn't the answer for you, right? You had to try, you went to like two different treatment places, two different recovery places, you detox in different places. Like, and like for me with like depression and anxiety, like, bro, I went through like three different, like, uh, like I went to like counseling, that first counselor didn't work. And then I went to group counseling and then that didn't didn't work and then i went to therapy i do like medication like you know it's not always the first solution that's going to be the solution but the idea that you want to just keep fucking smashing away never give up like okay i know i need help but like that person's not the right person to help me so i'm going here like exhaust every fucking option right? yeah exactly and like like talk to people right like make sure you you know it's i'm not gonna say it's like okay to get like you know relapse doesn't have to be part of your story you know like you know, you don't have to do it anymore, man. Like relapse is part of mine, but like, you know, this time around, like it's a new chapter and a new book, right? Like I flipped the page and now it's a new life, right? Like who, and like one thing I want to talk about too is like, you know, the cool thing about my life is like, I have, I have, I, I, I've lived two lives, you know, like a lot of people can't say they've lived two lives. You know, I've lived an addiction life and now I'm living a sober, sober life. life, you know, like life's just started, like, you know, it's pretty, uh, you know, I don't think I'd take this life back for anything. You know, I, I've experienced a lot. I've seen a lot, you know, I've survived a lot, you know, only like, there's only a couple of people who can like a handful of people who can get thrown down on the streets and crawl right back up. You know, it just, you know, never give up, man. Like, you know, if you give up, you're, you're, you know, you just keep on crawling down that hole longer and longer and longer. And 
you know, you just gotta reach out for help. Like that's my main thing. Like ask someone for help, you know, before it's too late. Cause the Fuck drugs, yeah. the drugs are messed up now and then. Like, you know, reach out to me if you need help. You know, I'm always here. Oh yeah. I'll put my number in the comments too. Fuck yeah, I'll dude. Put my number in the thing and yeah, man. Dude, hundred percent. Dude, I think that that's a fucking sick episode. I think that that's. I think that I'm. I'm hoping that if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, if if you've uh, absorbed this information, like I hope that this helps you. You know, maybe get a new perspective on things. Maybe you know, think of people differently if they are. You know, if you know someone that's struggling with addiction or mental health issues, like I hope this gives you a new perspective. If you are the one suffering, I hope this gives you like some inspiration or an idea that things can and will get better for you. You just have to fucking keep pushing, like keep trying and, and just not give up on yourself. But I guess that's like kind of the last of the messages we can give you. Uh, I hope and, you, and, and Mark won't put my number in the, in the comments. I switched my mind. This, uh, yeah, this, my Instagram will be in the whatever. And, uh, if you need my number, I'll, I'll just DM me and I'll shoot you my number. Yeah. hundred percent. I think that's probably yeah, better. I'm not putting me. my number out yeah. there. No, no, that's <laughs> smart, man. But yeah, thank you guys so much for, for, uh, listening to this journey. Like Aaron, thank you for reaching out of to course, me, man. Smart. This was wicked. And I think that there's a lot of people that will listen to this and get a new perspective, maybe like get some hope or just have some positivity in their life. And like, like, you know, both of us have said, this is stuff that translates past addiction. This is stuff that translates past mental health. Like, you know, talk about your problems, be able to have a relationship with your own brain, be able to reflect, be able to journal, be able to read and learn and drop your ego and understand that you, you might have some room for improvement. But that's the last notion I wanted to give out. There is hope, you're not alone, and life can and will get better. Thank you so much. Much love and peace out.